My name is Thomas Vale, or at least it was. I'm a photographer. I had it all. A wife, Allison. Friends, a career. And in one moment, it was all taken away. All because of a single photograph. I have it. They want it. And they will do anything to get the negative. I'm keeping this diary as proof that these events are real. I know they are. They have to be. Uh, welcome to the Nowhere Man Project, I think is what we're calling it now. At this episode, At this we are. episode, yeah. Uh, we are going to be going through uh, Nowhere Man, a deep dive discussion about the uh, 90s UPN drama thriller Nowhere Man, starring mm-hmm. Bruce Greenwood. My name is Gabe. I'm Steve. And uh, today we're going through episode eight, The Alpha Spike. Um, any thoughts before we get started? Well... Today we have a sort of special circumstance, yeah. which is that um, I've been up for 24 hours mm-hmm. and you took sleeping pills and are a little groggy. A little bit. So we both have sleep-related uh, <laughs> off-centeredness. Sure. I'd like to state some of my thesis for this episode ahead of time yeah, go because for I it. think I'll have trouble tracking along while we, do the ep- <laughs> while we do the episode, just in terms of parts of my brain that shut down while I'm, I'm not tired, Yeah, but I, I certainly don't have all of my faculties. Also, we're... Uh, um, we're going to be taking a break in the middle of this episode. Right. Hopefully we'll be edited out, but it'll if, be seamless. It'll be seamless. But if the second half we're talking about like, man, that explosion was crazy. <laughs> I can't believe we survived. <laughs> then you'll know why. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what's your thesis for this? episode? All right. So I have a therapist who says human beings are a pain in the butt to live with. Mm-hmm. And that a great deal of the work we have to do is learning to mitigate that. How are we going to deal with that? And power-hungry people, now we're divulging from my therapist and moving into just general concepts. Mm-hmm. Powerful people uh, tend not to want to mitigate that and go, yeah, pe- people mm-hmm. are a pain in the butt. Okay. So now instead of mitigating the effects of people, I'll just mitigate the people. I'll just find ways to lessen the impact of other people having Opinions. Sure. Having points of view. Okay. Um, I really liked this episode in terms of forming up Tom as a character for me. Sure. It reminded me of his photojournalist roots, um, which, again, differs from just being a photographer. It's not about aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are two main photojournalists that I know of in terms of what the job is. The job is National Geographic and oh look how pretty the, the planet the natural planet is. Okay. Or going and finding uh stories that are awful. Look go go look at how terrible humanity is and, mm-hmm. and making sure that you uh are able to put art visuals to um some kind of atrocity that's happening in the world, which sure. is what obviously he is because it was an execution. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the execution was of. Yeah. But obviously, he was not a National Geographic, uh, uh, you know, animal photographer. He was clearly the kind <laughs> of photographer who was hunting down the truth. Okay, and I think that's really important because it should have been drawn more into the character. I think they could have very easily. I think there were there would have been effortless places to 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 weave this into what's already going on in the in the, in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd have to you'd have to make a conscious choice to go. Okay, we're going to be very clear about Tom's experience as a truth finder, sure. as a person who digs into things. And uh, this episode is very much about 
uniformity mm-hmm. and uh, dissonance. Yeah. A- and and what do you do with people who are breaking away from the pack? What do you do from people who are not compliant with with what the grand vision is? Okay. Yeah. And so, because it was a hanging, mm-hmm. that this the the whole thing that this photograph gets jump started by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never put a lot of thought into who was being hanged. Okay. But one of the reasons, here's the thing. If, if you're hanging criminals, yeah, you don't mind if there's a photograph of that because everybody agrees that they did something wrong. Sure. If you're hanging, if, if they're just somebody who needs to be disposed of, you don't have an execution for them. Yeah. You just dispose of them silently. It's not. So if you're, if you are hanging people, it's to send a message to other people that they need to shut up. Okay. But yeah. you're also not able to do that in such a way that people can point fingers at you. Hmm. You can't just have that free floating around Tom Vale taking photos of it. Yeah. So we should have heard Tom Vale talk about all of that before <laughs> now is, is one of the, the problems with, with this no, theory. Don't you see? That's not what this is about. This is about using this as a lens through which to view the, the human now, condition. I yeah. joke about that, but I actually do think that this is... This is one of the episodes that is an example of that. Okay. I sort of alluded last time that there are... This episode is kind of indicative of one of the types of episodes the show has. Oh, that's right. You had said and that. And I was, I was actually thinking there is an episode, like maybe two or three episodes from now, that I think is a, a better example of it. But in this episode, it's not really about Tom. It's about what's going on at this school. Tom is there, mm-hmm. and he sort of gets involved, but it is more... It's almost like his commentary on what these people are doing with their lives and their school and so on. So it's that's, I think, what the director was talking about in that he's trying to tell a story about this school and the bad stuff that goes on at this school. And Tom Vale is the lens through which we view it. Okay. So um, so th- there are, I would say there are a few episodes that are like this mm-hmm. where it's just kind of Tom shows up somewhere. Yeah. Something happens and Tom either deals with it or doesn't deal with it. And then he moves on. And so th- there are a few of those. It's not, it's really only a few. It's, I would say maybe it's like five or six that are this type of episode. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try to call them out when I they happen, if it's not already obvious which ones. Um, so you you went over your, like your thesis for this episode. Did you have like a one sentence pitch for it? If not, your thesis can be, can be a good Right, enough. yeah. I, I really don't have the... Um the the extras for this episode. <laughs> sure, sure. I would just say uh, Tom Vale gets a job at a prep school and bad stuff happens. Well, <clears throat> here's the thing, though. Yeah. He's not at a random place. That's true. That's an important that's aspect to, to to where he is. Um, okay, that's, that's actually a good point. That does make it different than the next episode that I think is this type of episode. Because okay. this other one, it's literally he just wanders into town and then something happens. Um, okay, okay. So I, I guess... Because certainly a, the amazing Derek is he wanders into town and something weird happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, really like consider it that because there is so much that does deal with Tom. Oh, that's true. Once 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 he actually gets his butt over to the car yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry. So that's that's a good point. I guess there's gr- there's a different gra- there's gradients yeah. of that type of no, but it's, uh, I think that's interesting to to not just look at we're we're it's easy to look at an episode like this. It's easy to want there to be episodes that just feed us some information. Yeah. And this is an episode where there were a number of times where it was like, Tom, what are you 
He's spending a lot of time here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You could move on right now. Yeah. But he doesn't. But part of that is because he cares about the characters of the little village, you know, that he sure. finds himself plopped into. And some of it's because there is real information for him to get. But it's but it's, but it really is the secondary motivator for him to get that information. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, you know, <clears throat> maybe that's the attitude I should take to the amazing Derek. That... <laughs> It wasn't super important. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. The Amazing Derek suffers from the placement of being the, I think, third episode. Yep. And it's coming off of some pretty heavy mo- momentum. If The Amazing Derek happened now, eight or nine episodes into the show, yeah, then it's less idiotic that he doesn't just go get the information about the Jeep and right. instead goes to a fair. Because he yeah. has leaned into the fact that he just lives like this now. Basically... If the amazing Derek even so much has happened after New Phoenix, yeah, because you could, if you wanted to tie these together sequentially, argue that New Phoenix is where he figures out, you know what, I'm not going to settle down. I had the perfect chance to do it. If I'm not going to settle down there, I'm not going to do it anywhere. That would be great because I think if you did have those four episodes, so there's 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 the the pilot, and then there is the episode that is like a direct sequel to the pilot where he is posing right. as Doctor Bellamy. That's right. Yeah. Then we've got there's something about her or whatever the episode where he gets right, yeah. he gets kidnapped and gets put through the ringer by someone who is thinks they're better than dr bellamy yep. and then new phoenix where he is caught up by other people who are also in the same boat as him those four episodes i think kind of flow into each other pretty well and then like you're saying after that point he does decide to go out and do other stuff that does I think that that would be much better because then the next few episodes, or at least some of them, I guess there was the episode about uh, with the Max Webb, um, <laughs> where he is kind of investigating some stuff from the earlier episodes. But those episodes are much more proactive. Um, it is Tom going out to do something rather than just, oh, Tom got knocked out and woke up somewhere again. You know, um, and that's interesting. I, I wonder if the episodes had been in a different order, how we would have, whether we would have been more. Just more accepting of of a lot of it. Yeah, because it really just is an abrupt. It's such an abrupt shift from yeah. from the first two episodes. Here's here's the thing that I'm going to be talking about a lot now. Sure. Um, we we often harken back to uh, setting a guy on fire, right? <laughs> yes. Which which he only technically did. Yeah. He was preparing to set a guy on fire, and then somebody else finished setting him on fire. Right. <laughs> right. He loosened the ketchup bottle for them. Yeah. He does a thing in this episode. Where he chokes a guy with a belt. Oh shoot! Yeah, he does. We don't need to talk about the specifics of when. We'll get to it. Yeah. But I was, <laughs> I have in my notes somewhere. I was like, oh, Tom, the Firebringer <laughs> returns. Right. Um, let's say that the fire episode, mm-hmm. which is the first episode, yeah, this episode mm-hmm. happened before he's holding D at gunpoint in the new Phoenix episode. Yeah. Now at that point, we're making some pretty strong implications about his character yeah his character just lives completely outside the law and has accepted it and he's either psychotic about it or he's just you know accepted the fact that there are these people against him and if he thinks that you're one of those people yeah god help all all bets are off um because you know it's one thing when he goes to choke the guy with the belt Mm -hmm. we're we're pretty sure that guy is working for the organization much much to his protests right yeah but the thing is, <clears throat> he very well could have then just, like, led him into the bathroom and had Tom 
hijack a plane and then had a <laughs> bottle of ether nearby and it turns out he was one of the good guys. Yeah. I think it's it was definitely very interesting watching Tom just like jump into, you know, okay, I'm going to choke you because you're one of the people who are screwing up my life. Right. But you got to make cho- we were we were talking about how maybe this was was done in the style of 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 writing that we think is called a summit based on our friend yeah, yeah. his wife um where maybe they all had a different idea of who Tom was right mm-hmm. some people leaned into the well he was going to set a guy on fire <laughs> right other people didn't and were like maybe sometimes he goes through a carnival who knows <laughs> it's really it's really the inconsistency between is this guy a psycho or not? Like, yeah, yeah. Is this guy just a stone cold killer who gets stuff done? Okay, let's lean into that and have some consistency. And if he goes to a carnival, let it be ironic. <laughs> let sure. it be a clear wry twist have, that he also goes to carnivals. Have there be a game where he has to choke somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I will be interested um, from here out. Mm-hmm. There's, we're going to have to just talk about the different Toms, basically. Sure. There's the folksy Tom who goes places and doesn't really care about stuff, who gets other people into trouble. There's the Tom who sets people on fire and chokes them and points a gun at them <laughs> with very little evidence as to whether or not they're definitely working with them. Yeah. Uh, with the organization. So um, one of the things I'm going to want to explore following this, this episode okay. is how much of Tom's personality mm-hmm. – is his daring, inquisitive, no bullshit, get the truth attitude, and how much is aggravated by this extreme circumstance that he's in? Yeah. All we see of him is that he smokes a cigarette in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Right. We don't get to see him when he's, in the when field. He's not like under all this stress. Right. We don't get to see him before he's disenfranchised when mm-hmm. he's in the field, when he's actually being a photojournalist. Right. He could just be this aggressive, this ruthless. Yeah. And that this has just taken it a little step further. It would be nice if they could have decided that ahead of time. Sure. And I don't know if it is better or worse if he is this ruthless. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's important that they make that decision. Yeah. Because the fact that he was photographing an execution suggests to me that he's ruthless. Yeah. That he's definitely someone who's savvy. He's someone who knows how to it was in the jungle, mm-hmm. not in the middle of a mall. Yeah, good point. He had to find this place, right? Um, they would have had to have had some decisions about what that execution was in order to. It's it is a really a show that that just there. It's cool that they were trying to not have everything figured out. Mm-hmm. The photo is something they should have had figured out. Yeah, that's something that I think if you were going to pick something. As a producer to dig in and go, no, 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 no. You need to give me, I want a one page brief that tells me what the hell this photo is and what we're going to learn in episode 26. Yeah. I need to know that information um, because a lot of the time it feels, I just got done watching um, a sitcom. Okay. A uh, new girl, seven seasons long mm-hmm. and it's got a will they, won't they. Um, and, and it does the, they get together and then they break up for a reason. And then for a number of seasons, they are, you know, not together and yeah. one or the other wants to be the other. When... It's done well. It can be very gratifying to watch people grow and learn from their mistakes and and fall in love. It can be a really nice Mm -hmm. experience. When it's done poorly, it feels like cheap audience manipulation to sell ad time. Yeah. When in the last episode, the computer episode, the guy says, it's not what you think. Yeah. That's so close to being cool, but borders on the ad time problem. It borders on, you know, fake cool that we're just going to, you know. It's not what you think. Right. 
It's it's something else. We'll we'll figure out what it is later. <laughs> right, because spoiler, you don't none, none of that comes into this episode. Yeah. This episode has has nothing, nothing to do nothing to do with that. And the order I think is something we'll play with a lot because you really could reorder these episodes. Yeah. I I wonder if there was any like executive meddling in that regard. Sure. I doubt it. Yeah. But, you know, like even with shows like Farscape, there were times when the executives were like, no, 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 don't even like the don't show the pilot first, show the second episode first. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or like Firefly was another one. Uh, the the pilot didn't get shown until like episode eight or something. People were so confused. Yeah. Because then the, they started with the train. There's a whole documentary and how people were like, where's the train job? The promo said the train job. What are yeah. we watching? I'm so confused. Yeah. Or no, it, or the, it is um, the train job and they were expecting something else. Right. So, and- yeah. So, so yeah, I, it's possible that there was something, maybe some executive looked at the what they had planned and they were like, no, 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 the psychic kid tossed that in there earlier. And then we need some were, spectacle. Right. Right. Let's, let's create a villain other than Lawrence Herzog <laughs> and, and blame them for all the problems. So I, uh, this is one of the things that goes when I'm, when I've been up this long, whether or not I'm tired. Yeah. My, I, I start to have the inability to tie my tangential thoughts back into their. Gotcha their original where i branched off from uh so you're talking about new girl will they won't they right it's okay so the photograph yeah here are the things that i think tom vale would have in his head mm-hmm. to talk amongst himself yeah what was surrounding that photograph in terms of civilization was it a new town was it a small military camp was it a camp that had been there a long time what country had the camp mm-hmm what was going on politically at in the world at the time that he would have been tapped into? Yeah. Uh, who was in charge? We know the country, right? They they have. I'm pretty sure they have said the country. I don't remember it, though. Okay. Whoever's in control of the country, is mm-hmm. it an actual government? Or mm-hmm. is he in a country that doesn't really have an official government? They have a, you know, placeholder puppet government, and it's really sure. run by... The number of things that he would know and be analyzing about this photograph... Yeah. For how smart they sometimes show him to be. <laughs> right. I am now frustrated retroactively that we didn't just have a lot of discussion about him reviewing what he knows about this photograph. Mm-hmm. We have talked jokingly about he needs a ghost. Yeah. We have talked about he needs more voiceover. Maybe maybe just recap at the end if he's not going to do a, a lot of illuminating stuff in the beginning. Sure. He could very easily be talking about the photograph every single episode. Yeah. And... In a way, they do. Not every single episode, but in a way, they're like, okay, now I'm talking about this aspect of the, like four <laughs> things that I know. Right. He is supposed to be a smart guy. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have seen a great deal of effort put into him speaking out loud the clues he knows about this photograph. And the reason they didn't was because it wasn't nailed down. Yeah. And so I feel like this was, this was a very – that was a mistake. That was that was just a, that was just explicitly a mistake. Um, I think the idea of we're going to try to tell a new story is great, mm-hmm. but the it's sort of when I first started studying story structure. Okay, it was often referred to in, in multiple places. I saw it referred to like architecture. Sure, that no one gets crafty about the beams. No one gets crafty about the physics. Okay, no one gets crafty about. I mean, they do. They they definitely there are some like super you know kooky engineering marvels but that's the point of them is to be you know a marvel yeah uh if you're building a house for people make sure the floor is on the bottom make mm-hmm. sure the ceiling mm-hmm. is on the top <laughs> and i think this has some did you guys check to make sure the ceiling is on the top 
problems. I think I think there are some just there there are you can be very creative with the interior decorating. You can be very creative with the materials used. You can be very creative with the layout. Yeah. But you have to use strong materials and the weight has to be distributed in a way that the thing doesn't come crashing down. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that the photograph is one of the load bearing uh, pieces of this story. Yeah, I agree. And I don't feel like that was fleshed out. And I realized at this episode that I was like, you know, he's so obsessed about being this outsider. Yeah. And that it's not from an emo point of view. Right. It's It really is from a, it's an almost anti-bullying point of view. Okay. It is, if we're going to, that's why I opened with human beings are paying the butt to live with. Yeah. I think maybe, and I don't think they went this far, and I'm not sure if this was in their minds, but if they had gone further into the idea that Tom Vale does not like that there is a historical tendency to silence conflicting points of view. Okay. And that is what drove him to become a photojournalist in the first place. Not an easy career to just get into. Not a safe career to get into. Right? He's taking personal risk just having that profession. Yeah. He's basically an adventurer in a Dungeons and Dragons party who's been to level 10. <laughs> sure. He's got a reason for what he's doing, but he never talks about it. Yeah. He never talks about the other photographs he's taken. He never talks about the other problems that are going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, because they would have had to build up the lore for that or use real world lore. Both of those have huge amounts of work that come with them. Sure. So they just keep stuff sort of, you know, fuzzy in the background. But I, I would like to have had that simply because we would have learned about the character. And I think there are ample opportunities in this episode for him to talk about that. Sure. Yes. Like there, there's a, a quip he makes in like the first 10 seconds of the episode about how like, well, I was never one to color in the lines. Right. He could have, instead of just... I, I sort of, I have in my notes about he and the headmaster are just kind of like quipping back and forth at each other. <laughs> he could have very easily been like, you know, I, I always hate to see someone who gets pushed out of the group, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that alone would have, like what you were saying, would have, would have built the character. But instead they were like, no, let's, let's have him just say something that sounds kind of badass. There's a real art to badassery writing. Yeah. Right. A lot of the, a lot of my, 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 time during what is essentially my day job mm-hmm. involves studying marketing. Yeah. And there is an almost unanimous push towards if you have to choose between a thing that is cool mm-hmm. and a thing that is clear, clear wins the day every time. Yeah. The audience has to be able to understand what the product is and be able to imagine that product resolving something in their, in their life that is bugging the hell out of them. Yeah. And if they can't figure out what you're selling because you weren't clear and you just had something that was cool, like there are two stages. There's people who have never heard of your product mm-hmm. need more clarity. Sure. And then there's branding where like y- you can have an Instagram post with a Nike logo on it and it's, you know, some <laughs> motivational thing. This was an actual thing that they pointed out. Yeah, like, yeah. Look at look at what Nike's doing here. We can change it up for Adidas. We can change it up for. But it doesn't matter because they have their momentum going. Yeah. They yeah, are established. Branding is kind of a privileged thing. Like it is. Once you That's get to a, a great point, way to put it. Then you can worry about branding at first. You should just focus on getting people to know what your product is and how it's going to help them. So, all right, help me get back to the point I'm making about writing. Uh, I'm talking about clarity. <laughs> you're talking about clarity. Oh, yeah. Badassery. Yeah. And so that applies to writing really cool lines in fiction. Mm-hmm. There's such an, and we have had to do this in We've had, had we I, we've run into this a couple of times in your in your monthly fiction. Yeah, where you have written something that is cool, but not clear. But not clear enough. It's clear to me because I'm writing it. Right. Not clear to the reader. 
and like uh, definitely a portion of the readers would be able to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why if you ever go uh, into a broader market, yeah, you're gonna want to hear from somebody who's not me. You're gonna yeah, hear yeah. from a variety definitely. of people who who can pick up on different things, and then you're gonna have to make decisions about what is the core audience I'm trying to really keep their attention because mm-hmm. you won't be able to please everybody. Right. But there's definitely times where the the way I try to phrase it when I find these little areas is just that the chance is higher than usual for an audience member to get confused sure. and lose the thread and then go open Facebook or Netflix and then mm-hmm. they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, this show has a lot of, right, the, the, the fire and the the whole building exploding in the first episode yeah. was a cool moment, but we keep <laughs> referring back to it because it's sort of almost anachronistic. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's sort of ridiculous. <laughs> yes. It's 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 too much. In, there's an episode I just recently watched that has another moment. <laughs> My wife and I could not stop <laughs> laughing about it. And we we our DVD was kept skipping, so we watched the YouTube version. Uh-huh. And the YouTube version has like the commercial bumpers, sure, and it kept bumping back to <laughs> that same. Oh my goodness, it was ridiculous. Another episode. Another episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looking forward to it yeah. at this point. But yeah, so we we keep looking back to that moment, even though like it was kind of cool, but it was also kind of goofy. It's kind of goofy because. Uh, this isn't a comedy. Yeah. So you can't have, unless you're doing Bruce Willis style comedy that that is that is a is sort of slightly aware of itself, mm-hmm. that has a slight self awareness to it, sure, and can sort of poke fun at itself, um, which this super isn't, right? <laughs> right. And that's part of the. And to be perfectly honest, I feel like this show would very much benefit from comedy if it wanted to go broad. Yeah. But I think it would change the emotion that you like about it. I think you I, like the solemnity of it. Probably, yeah. Um, but it's definitely harder to do because then you got to then you got to sort of stay within believable limits. Yeah. And it was the '90s, <laughs> and so believable limits has a different connotation at that time. Right. Um, it really was. You know, I talked last week about when we were in the computer episode about mm-hmm. how there's not a ton of choice in effects because computers are not able. Computer effects are not. On board are not, are not are not launched yet. Yeah, so it's a lot of practical effects, and so there's not really gonna be necessarily smaller versions of some stunts. There's yeah. gonna be basically no stunts or something from the 40s that you know <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, setups were justifying those in that day, and you know 90s television was fine with it, and yeah. and you were fine with it at the time. I was, I was. Um, okay, so 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 Tom Phil just one of the things that is consistent, for, mm-hmm. consistently bad, yeah, is that regardless of who's writing these episodes, somewhere along the way there are these lines that are there for the sake of look at how cool Tom is, yeah, and not and just like you said, they're missed opportunities to mm-hmm. show how cool Tom is, yeah, that if they just made it about clarity and made the character cool, yeah, instead of the character says whiz bang smart funny things sure sure um you know his his superpower shouldn't be having a a sarcastic (laughs) rebuttal right um that that shouldn't be what his superpower is his superpower should be compassion Mm -hmm. building alliances with people yeah debunking bullshit yeah getting a very quick grasp for what's going on where the balance of power is Mm -hmm. where someone is abusing power should be on his radar immediately um and 
what we what I liked about last episode that you know you kind of have to with all of this yeah you kind of have to you know want it but I love the idea that he's getting brave in okay. that he is getting used to I have somewhere in my notes about uh, you know courage is not the absence of fear it's the understanding that something else is more important sure and so I think that's that's also what where he lives and when his character is working right is when there's a definite threat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's not really worse. And there is some of that in this episode. There's definite threat, but it's not really worse than the other crap that he's been doing. Yeah. And so he keeps his lo- his head level because he just lives here. Yeah. This is where I live, which was goofy. <laughs> and for the sake of anytime Bruce Greenwood goes into the Batman voice, yeah. he's saying a line. But he he thrives when instead he's using the, oh, Tom cares about what you say voice. That's that's mm-hmm. when the character actually shines. Um, so I don't th- and so then, then you know, they would still have to balance that with the setting people on fire in the belt choking. Yeah. And decide whether or not he just has a dark side and you don't want to cross him. And it's, you know, beware of the anger of a gentle man. Sure. Um, beware of the anger of a peaceful person, uh, you know, who, who you don't want to be on their bad side. Mm-hmm. Or maybe have him choke fewer people. Maybe have him set fewer people <laughs> on fire. Maybe. <laughs> maybe pull back the uh, the stalking. Um. All right, so so we we can go through the episode now. Okay. Uh, I know that was a lot of that was a half hour of preamble. Hey, I mean, if people aren't willing to listen to that. I don't know why they're here. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You come you come to this uh, because it's different from your regular podcast. There you go. These are this is we're trail mix. We're here for a for a long long drive that you're doing or something or yep. some serious workouts. I guess that's a that's a nice way to think of it. We're here for the for the long drive. That's what we're over. yeah. So we should try to advertise to truckers. <laughs> Watch Nowhere Man and then listen to our podcast on those long hauls. We'll use the uh, the yeah the 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 demographics tool to find truckers who are already into <laughs> UPN drama <laughs> thrillers you from go. the nineties. You know, I have a CB radio, like a real cheap, like a cheap, like handheld one. Okay, I could use that to. I don't know where I'm going with this. So this episode starts out as our, you know, like any other show, talking about the giving, giving the exposition, you know, he's got the blah, blah, they want it, I have it, so on and so on. Um, and then uh, Tom's uh, Tom Tom's narration comes in. It's a thin thread that connects me to the life I once had. Between odd jobs, I spend time researching what little information I do have. And I've come across a number of references to a Dr. Walter G. Bellamy, the first face that I can associate with this nightmare. The heart of Dr. Bellamy's research is something called the Alpha Spike. From the little I could find, it appears that he began his work at a private school in New England. Using the alias Jack Griffin, I have secured employment at Sperling Academy, the birth site of Dr. Bellamy's study. And uh, while it's doing this, it's actually doing having little uh, photos from earlier episodes, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you know, it's a small callback, but it's still a nice callback, showing the various jobs he's worked and so on, because um, he does mention doing odd jobs and mm-hmm. researching and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tom is a groundskeeper picking up litter while students are all doing exercises in a field at this uh, this prep school. You know, he's a gr- this is just a joke. Sorry. But do you know, you know, why he's a groundkeeper. Why is that? Well, he knows his way around a lawnmower <laughs> or whatever the hell it was when he was a new Phoenix. <laughs> right. There was, I, I, when I first saw this, I was like, <clears throat> yeah, isn't he always a groundskeeper? Like I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't connect he, it at the time. I mean, he did. He did. That was his uh, yeah. that that was his in before he did offer to help out with. Uh, with uh, landscaping, I think. I don't mean to to distract us again, but yeah. I thought about this earlier. Yeah, go for it. There is a British show mm-hmm. called Rosemary and Time. Okay. It is 
a murder mystery show. Okay. Laura Time and Rosemary Boxer are the characters. Okay. Laura Time is a retired police sergeant. Mm-hmm. Rosemary Boxer does landscaping. I don't super remember how they meet and why they start doing cases together. Well, they don't do cases together. Excuse me. Okay. Excuse me. Okay. <laughs> they do gardening together and murder follows them everywhere they go. Oh, one of those shows. Okay. It's one of those shows okay. where just everywhere they go to do landscaping, <laughs> someone dies. Yeah. A third of the time, it is the person who hired them to do the landscaping who will not live to see the finished garden. There's a finished, beautiful garden every one of these episodes. I don't think I would hire them. <laughs> <laughs> that should be on their Yelp review. Well, uh, my uncle hired them and he's dead. So one star, <laughs> one star needs improvement. Did yeah. not meet expectations. I don't think he should be a groundskeeper, mm-hmm. but that'd be interesting if they leaned into that. Okay. If they were able to lean into one or maybe one or two or three jobs that he does continuously. Sure. Um, I don't know. That might be interesting. That might add a level <clears throat> of dearly needed continuity to his character. Here's what you can do. Just have that be his, that is his, his, his backup person or his, his backup persona is I am blankety blank, the groundskeeper. Okay. Um, so I've been watching the show burn notice, which is sort of similar to this show in a lot of ways. And in that one of the characters played by Bruce Campbell has an alias that, cause they're, they're all secret agents. Basically right. they're like out of work, secret agents. Mm-hmm essentially. And Bruce Campbell's character, every time he needs a quick cover, he is Chuck Finley. And then whatever job he is trying to pose as. And Chuck Finley, I guess is just in one of the first episodes. He just like sees that name on a newspaper or something. So that's the name he uses for the entire rest of the show. Have it be that every time Tom needs uh, an alias for something. Oh yeah. I'm the groundskeeper. Yeah. Could be a through line that they could use. I mean, again, these episodes were probably not written with any sure. sort of collaboration. It might even be by pure chance that he <laughs> is is doing anything to do with landscaping in this episode. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that could be could be a thing. Again, if you were to go back and, and rewrite the show, could be a thing to, to try to include. Do you have anything else about? Uh... I was curious in Burn Notice, because um, you said it's Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell is one of the actors where I've only seen him in that kind of show that is both action and a little self-aware. Okay. Um, we're, we're, we're right. Cause this is Bruce Campbell of, so, yeah. of the living dead. Evil the dead. Evil yeah. dead. Thank you. Sorry. I was like, that's, I'm getting it wrong. Yeah. I'm the only stuff I've seen him in that was like in any way self-serious was like, like a long time ago. Like he's like, he did some, some real early stuff and some just side stuff again, early on that uh, he's, he's gotten kind of a, a reputation as being like a specific type of actor and so i think yeah so in this case mm-hmm. i have i from the posters i assume burn notice was about as serious as a, as a modern day thriller i mean like it's uh is it more lighthearted than that it is it's like like there's some comedy there is it is lighthearted it's not serious okay um i mean it i'd say it takes itself it's not pretty grim sure no 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 yeah okay, not okay. not not grim okay. it takes itself seriously like, like, enough okay but uh, but I mean no it's it's pretty lighthearted. Its world has consequences. You're saying yeah. But that it's it's not. Yeah no there's grim is probably the right word to describe. Right. It's it's a fairly light show. However yeah there are there are consequences and you know because when you said about having an alias on the go mm-hmm. I've seen in three different shows where characters have an alias that they go to and it's a it's it's a self reference within the show. Oh remember Regina Falange. Oh, oh remember <laughs> Anastasia Beaverhausen. <laughs> Uh, 
on Archer, there's like Chet Manley, I think is is the <laughs> name he uses. Mindy Kaling's on her show was Chloe Silverado. You know, they're always a ridiculous <laughs> yeah. uh, alias. I'm not really allowed to have opinions on whether or not a, a pseudonym is ridiculous at this okay. point. But, um, you know, they're always a little bit over the top. They're always, bit, yeah. this is clearly a pseudonym. Um, so you wouldn't want to go like that. Okay. Right? Yeah. Or or it would risk the, the bursting the comedy bubble of, of, of the show. I'd love to know how to properly do comedy in this show and not, and not rupture the finely tuned sousson of uh whatever it is that's going on sure sure thing steve uh well no but i truly would i I would love to know it could sorely need some humor but it would have to be the kind of humor that's not zany it would have to be i don't even know what you know it would have to be a sincere kind of humor and that's one of the things that i'm on on, that i'm on the lookout if he was imagining talking to his wife that's where the humor would come from okay yeah it would be that 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 sort of humor of two people who love each other Mm -hmm. and are just old enough to be aware of Oh, is this life okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna dial my expectations back to you know accordingly. Sure. Um, two people who love each other can be a very good sense of real light-hearted, but not silly or zany um, um, banter, banter uh, mm-hmm. interaction, camarader- camaraderie, camaraderie, yeah, camaraderie is what this show is largely missing because he doesn't have anyone he can talk to more than once. Yeah, yeah, and every um, time they introduce someone that he could talk to. Uh, a couple times they like get killed off or something. I did have the they either get killed off or left to, to a fate worse than death. Yeah, you, as you have pointed, I yeah. always miss when it's a fate worse than death. I'm paying attention now, where I'm okay. like, what's going to happen? The organization is going to come back there to torture this guy, or at you know, yeah. Um, I was interested in could they fake camaraderie by having him shown working with someone that he doesn't hate. Like the pizza guy, right? In the last episode, oh. he, we, 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 we clearly have shown that we can, within the first 10 minutes of the show, mm-hmm. establish an ongoing relationship with a character we've never met before. Yeah. But it's almost always something like that where it's antagonistic or no one cares about him or it's, it, yeah. you know, if it were something where there was a character where we meet in the middle of their relationship, we're going to see the end. Sure. But we're going to meet in the middle of their relationship. I think maybe that would be... One of the ways. So like if the episode started out with, you know, I've been working for a few weeks at this uh, taxi cab company and my partner, Bob, and the Bob's sitting there and they're making quips back and forth. Yeah. I mean, that could work. It would be better than what they do a lot of the time. <laughs> okay. Let's be honest. So, yeah, that was just one of the thoughts I had had. Yeah. Um, because camaraderie would be great for this show. Mm-hmm. It would be mm-hmm. great for him to just have moments. And that's why I did like the moment when he finally, you know, even though it was virtual allison in the last episode sure it was just it was very nice to see him have that moment of of relaxation okay and he doesn't get that the rest of the show and yeah even just one beat of it and we, even when we know the person just sitting there in their red shirt and we <laughs> you know, know they're gonna get killed just gonna die or be tortured they're talking about uh they want to go take some time off and be with their family they're and just gonna ask their girlfriend retired to, yeah <laughs> ask their girlfriend to marry them they're about to retire and their kid needs that operation, <laughs> you know. Um, all right. So uh, let's move on to minute two. <laughs> to minute two. Yeah. So Tom's a groundskeeper. He's he's watching the students. All the students are out there doing like exercises and stuff out on the field. Okay. But like a big point of it is that it's not exercises and stuff. It's Japan's version of exercises okay, sure, and sure. stuff. So like it's everybody is in unison. Super doing... uni- it's marching band, but there's yeah. no band. Right. Right. That's, yeah. that's a good way to put it. 
Um, the headmaster comes over and the headmaster is just credited as the headmaster. There is one point in this episode. Tom calls him a name. I'm, it's like something with it. It's like Gregory or something. But uh, but on IMDb, he's just the headmaster. So I guess uh, um, I just have him as the headmaster in my notes. I'd love it if they went with the idea that he was just Tom was just sort of psycho. In okay. the same way that Brian Finch just calls his bodyguards Mike and Ike, even though they, those are oh, not their names. I'd yeah. love it if he just calls everybody Gregory when he's about to set them on fire or something. <laughs> like He doesn't learn the names anymore because yeah. he's just got to move on. <laughs> I like it because it was sort of in, um, did you say Into the Spider-Verse? I did not see Into the Spider-Verse. He, there is a slight spoiler. Mm-hmm. He meets a more experienced Spider-Man who goes, oh, you got yourself a goober there. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's a goober. I just listen. There's so many names to these things. I had to come up with it. I kept forgetting what 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 one I was working on. Yeah. So I just started calling him Goober. <laughs> That's pretty um, good. So it would be it would be neat to see him have that sort of. Sure. That, that would be sort of too zany. But uh, again, if, if 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 he was psycho, it wouldn't be zany. It would just be terrifying. In just, this show, yeah. Call yes. people Gregory yes. and then choke them with a belt. <laughs> That's not their name at all. Yeah. All right. So uh, Headmaster comes over and the two of them engage in a sarcastic back and forth. Like the Headmaster's like, oh, you should be picking up garbage. And Tom's like, well, you guys are so clean. You don't have any garbage. And then uh, the, I, I, just, I don't know why, but everything each of them says is just oozing with sarcasm or disdain or both yeah. uh the headmaster because likes tom is hostile to everyone yeah. always yeah except for when he's not <laughs> yeah yeah true we'll get to some of that in a bit um so the headmaster likes how everyone's acting in harmony all working together perfectly tom says i wouldn't know i was always the kid who colored outside the lines which just dial it back a little bit tom <laughs> and then but the guy has a sick burn and that is well we're not training our student students to be groundskeepers bam now that is a nice moment yeah because he's not a groundskeeper he's out there doing humanity's work right <laughs> okay okay yeah and like it like like he has this moment that if that, that if the show wasn't full of just this pissing contest language yeah it would be a great, great moment of you know He's got a, which is more interesting to you? Tom is actually conflicted with, mm, I'm not a groundskeeper. Go yeah. to hell. Or, eh, I'm not a groundskeeper. He can say whatever he wants to me. This guy's going to be, this guy's going to be dead anyways by the end of this episode. You know, like, <laughs> That's a good question. I, I don't know which. I don't, but, I don't know the answer right now. I could probably come up with one. But but, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know. It's, it's a good question to think about. Because right now, to the best of my recollection, it was just a two shot and he's really not, in the, you know, the, the focus of the frame. Yeah. Um, it'd be great yeah, to start seeing some variety of reactions other than the open mouth. (laughs) Yes. So, Uh, but we were saying earlier, like this is a moment where Tom could have said, you know, I just don't like seeing people get, you know, tossed out of the group or like seeing someone get alienated for something that might not be their fault. I would love to have seen him be a philosophical character. Yeah. That's extremely difficult to do. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to mess up hard. Sure. It's as easy to mess up as badassery. Okay. Where it starts to just sound like fortune cookie wisdom. Yeah, I can I can understand. So you that. have to have someone who's actually just very experienced and insightful. Mm-hmm. But I want him to be an insightful character. Sure. Um, if if I had to pick what I want him to be, I think it's insightful. Yeah. Because the idea is he is the manifestation of a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. He is the manifestation of a picture is the end of a terrible regime. Okay. Right. One okay. correctly chosen photograph can change enough people's attitudes that real 
actual change happens. And also, one incorrectly chosen photograph can end a person's life. There you go. So it would be nice if that was part of what the show was actively discussing yeah. and not forcing us to really just with jackhammers mine out of this thing <laughs> looking for what it, what could be the the moral at the end of the story yeah um so uh, while they're having their sick burn contest uh a kid gets tackled a fight breaks out everyone's pissed off at this one kid they don't give his name here they do give it much later though uh actually no sorry it's i think it's a different kid anyway some kid some kid everybody's mad at and they're they're mad at him because he kept the ball to himself trying to score. One kid says he put himself before the team and, you know, he should have should have passed the ball. He cost them the point. I I mean, I get it. Like the whole thing they're trying to hammer home here is everybody works for the team and so on and so on. But I mean, like someone has to score points, right? You can't score points if nobody makes a shot, right? I, I Very, very much what my presumption was, was that, I mean, I didn't see the actual play or anything yeah but my presumption was this was someone who was too far away to make the shot okay. and there would have been someone closer to pass to yeah. if he had passed that person could have made the shot that was my assumption of. i guess i i just i guess my point is that the dialogue is real clunky here sure this does not Absolutely. feel like something a kid would actually say like uh what the the mission statement of the episode but he is he is not acting in the unity and courage and strength of the group or whatever well we have to spoiler in order for me to rebut this but this is an episode about brainwashing oh shoot good point so okay okay so, uh, to, to be fair mm-hmm. if you're gonna have something that stylistically is sticking out like that yeah you then have to be great at all the rest of the dialogue so that it feels like <laughs> gee that's a little weird well yeah there's a and moment not just bad writing okay i mean you made you know, that's a great point okay i i, I rescind my my okay. complaint however you brought up a point there is a thing that tom says later in this episode that comes out so bizarre and it's supposed to but i still think they did it wrong yeah we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it yeah i know what you're, you're, you're talking about i mean let's just generally you're i want to make sure we're talking about the same thing when he automatically has a response to yes. something okay yeah. yes yeah it, um, it is still a little clunky even after having seen the, so this was like the second time i've watched yeah, the yeah. episode in the last week or two yeah. and like in my notes i wrote what the heck is going on and then the next scene i was like oh that's what was going on yeah but it's just it was real they they messed something up i don't mm-hmm. know i don't know what we'll we'll get yeah. to there yep um, so the kids got like some blood on his face or something. So they well, because they tackled because they, right? they they were they were they like beat attacking him, up. him. Yeah. Um, so they take him to the infirmary, and then Tom looks forty five degrees from camera and says, <laughs> "Harmony." Cut to uh, okay. Yeah. Again, that is sort of lame, but I watched a video a while back that was mm-hmm. a video essay on what Orwellian really means. Okay. And part of it is subversion of intentional subversion of the language mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that 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 you turn the torture department is called the department of love or something like that okay um there is a valid point to you need to watch for people who are masking the messed up controlling shit they're doing mm-hmm. with words that sound like stuff that we actually do want sure You'd be hard pressed to find a person outside of a cartoon or sitcom who doesn't genuinely want the effects of harmony in their life. Yeah. But when you use the word, it very quickly is a loaded word and becomes cliched. Yeah. Or in this case, it's it's a perversion of the idea of 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 harmony. 
it's okay. not real it's not real harmony okay yeah i, I was gonna say it's kind of like if you use the word commune uh-huh yeah if you use the word you shouldn't have used that word you it has a <laughs> meaning in it you know the the word in itself isn't bad but anything that could be called a commune is never going to be called a commune in a good sense right so i like the idea that tom is trying to call them out on their hypocrisy mm-hmm because then that means that Tom was insightful about that they have hypocrisy. Sure. It's just that they do too many victory laps that they did not <laughs> earn. They do a little too much showboating with a character who it would be great if he could just. <sighs> yeah. All right. Next. <laughs> All right. So uh, cut to credits. Um, uh, when it comes back from credits, guest starring Brian Cranston. Yeah, I saw that. I was I was, I was very pleased to see. I think he, he, his character in this episode is not an interesting character, but I like him in yeah, this. Sure, okay, I thought yeah. I thought he did a a good job playing the character that that he had. Yeah. Um. So the kids are outside performing this big old dance routine thing. You know, kind of like what you were saying, like like uh, um marching band without the instruments. They're doing this huge, huge, it's, but I think before it was like rehearsal, but this is like an actual right. This performance. Is and it's important to, I don't know if you're going to point this out, but it's important to note that it is very obviously there is a huddled group of suits. Oh, There's, I actually didn't notice that. Okay. Well, they need to do a better job. Well, I, and I could be wrong about this. Uh-huh. But to the best of my knowledge, I mean, there's there's a group of adults watching. I did notice there were adults watching. Hub- I didn't pay attention to, it didn't catch my eye if they were. My assumption, and I could be wrong about this. Yeah. Um, was that th- that that that's that's the money? I mean that that makes yeah that makes perfect sense. right that that's who they're they're performing for is look you, the money that you're funneling into our right or those yeah. or the parents it's somebody who has a vested interest in this insane military precision that they're trying to work in these yeah kids. yeah I like I I assume the people were their parents but I mean maybe if the people are all in suits maybe they are like uh, <clears throat> the organization maybe they're you know bankrolling this or or whatever whatever um, but. Uh, at the very least, yeah. it's not, hey, let's casually put on like a ball cap and go oh, see yeah. our kids' baseball game. Yeah. It is a very serious demonstration. It is much closer to your weapon is ready. Let me show it to you. That's what <laughs> sure. this presentation yeah. really yeah. looks like. I don't know who is who it's for, but your weapon is ready is really the way I would describe. That's my one sentence for this for this episode. Okay. Your weapon is ready, sir. There you go. And um, I didn't think of this till, till just now, just you uh, describing this right now. Um as we go through the show, particularly maybe when we get into the second half of the show, remember this. Okay. I don't, I mean, like, I don't think there is ever anything directly paid back to this, mm-hmm. but thinking about what happens later in the show and watching this, think think back sometime in the future about the fact that possibly the organization is, I mean, the organization, is, the organization has some connection to this school right. where right. they're the organization raising. has a school, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. All right. So while they're outside and the headmaster is watching them, Tom uses his keys to get into the headmaster's office, which just says headmaster's office. Again, doesn't have a name on it. Uh, He opens up a filing cabinet. He takes out a file on Dr. Bellamy or from Dr. Bellamy. He finds a photo of Dr. Bellamy and the headmaster. I don't know if it is or not, but the photo that they show looks poorly photoshopped like they couldn't get the actors in the same room it wasn't computer wizardry it was computer uh mm, yeah amateur hour there you go so uh yes it 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 looks weird well it's important to note you don't see bellamy in this episode right we do get his voice though which did surprise me yeah so it's entirely possible that they were filmed asynchronously Mm -hmm. right that that they couldn't get the actor to get on set or he was in a different state or Heck, I don't... for all we know maybe they recorded that for something else absolutely 
That woof. Or maybe they didn't plan on having a recording at all, and then at the last minute they're like, "Hey, we got the guy on the phone." Nice. Yeah. So so yeah, I think that that the photo is yes some <laughs> some shenanigans uh, went on. Um, so Tom finds a paper in there by Doctor Bellamy titled "The Alpha Spike." Mm-hmm. Uh, while he's looking at it, a potted plant falls over out of nowhere. Well, the, uh, it's it's like a um, a line graph, right? The, that's I think that's is right that, after this. It's right after it's, this. It's it's in the same file, okay. but uh, there is also. Fair a, enough. I just wanted to say that's that's what we're looking at the alpha spike. In case you're yeah, in case you're listening to these before <laughs> watching the episode. What do you think it was a graph? I thought it was like a. It, was like it a, looked like brainwaves. Yeah, it was or like something. a brainwave. Yeah, yeah, yeah I okay, didn't know how okay. best to describe it, but yeah, like it, it, it was a spike on a on a. Yeah, so that's why brainwave. Yeah, that's where the the term would come from. It's not an actual spike. <laughs> It's a metal spike called the Alpha Spike. Uh, potted plant falls over. There's the crash oh, sound. I have a thing about this. Okay. After the last episode, where where I suggested the possibility that the insanity when when he's moving, uh, I don't remember the name, but the the computer guy out of his house. Yeah. And there's a lot of really intense stuff happening. The sequence that you really liked. Yeah. And I was saying that felt like it was perhaps just trying to show the overstimulation that he was experiencing. Okay. And I don't know. I've wondered if, and it may have been around here where I started thinking about the idea of, is Tom just maybe paying attention to stuff? Like he's just. Oh, I see what you're saying. I wonder if it's not that those noise, because we, because we don't have someone other than Tom Mm -hmm. as our barometer for this, for, for this world. Yeah. We don't have an objective lens into this world. We go through Tom. So I don't know. But it made me start thinking, what if the intent, and I, this might be too much credit, I don't know. <laughs> sure. But I wondered if the idea was not just that, oh, it's just there to make him be unsettled. Yeah. But that he, but that his, he, that, but it's, it's hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. he is someone who is really paying attention. Yeah, and maybe. And so this stuff spooks him a little bit more. So I don't know. I think it's. I mean, then in that case. Stuff falls over all the time. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> stuff falls over all that's the time true. on the show. That's true. In terms of yeah, why did that play it just like follow? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> right. that that is true. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it would be cool if there was something more to it. It would be cool if that was part of his character. That his yeah. character here is paying attention to stuff that other people aren't. But the penalty for it mm-hmm. is that he is then always on edge. Sure, that would be a nice you know motif for the character. Yeah. Um. So Tom finds some more papers. He hears. Someone buffing the floor out in the hall. When I'm first watching this, I thought it was that, oh, he now he's on edge because there's like someone right outside. But no, I'm pretty sure he then uses that noise to mask the sound of him making photocopies because mm. he starts making a bunch of photocopies. Okay. I wonder if he would have done that had there not been a loud floor buffer outside. I assumed that he was just startled by it because it was startling as a viewer. But I love yeah. the idea that he was you know being smart about it. Yeah. Any opportunity to see the man do something smart and deliberate. There you go. Uh, so outside, the students finish their performance. The headmaster dismisses them. Tom finds a cassette tape titled Bellamy Lecture. So he takes it. He also finds a remote control that opens up a secret compartment in the wall with audio recording equipment or just some sort of audio equipment and some switches labeled with various locations on the campus. I think this is supposed to be a fuse box because I believe there are fuse boxes later in the episode that are marked the same way. Mm-hmm. But if it is a fuse box... I don't know. It was a little bit confusing because, spoiler, there is something that is activated by f- by turning these on or off. Right. I don't know if it was intended to be a literal fuse box or just an on-off switch or whatever. Right. It could be just what they had. Yeah. So Tom goes to 
he goes to one of the locations that the like fuse box or whatever had listed on it. Yeah. Uh, the Edmund Hall Chapel. And he runs into three boys leaving. They're like, they're coming out. He bumps into them. He goes inside and he finds, dun dun dun, dun. Oh, that's a bad sound effect. He finds, uh, dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. Is what yes, that's what, I'm, that's what I was looking for. He finds, dun dun dun, a dead kid. A kid has hanged himself with a note pinned to his shirt that says, it's hard when you don't fit in. So again, they could have brought up, could have pointed out the, the parallel between people not being allowed to fit in and Tom's not being allowed to fit in as well. And that is literally a hanging. It's, it's literally, oh my goodness, I didn't even make that connection. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's what I mean. And that like, yeah. it seems very... It Almost goes, like an obvious parallel. Yeah. And like, I'm sure I would have missed it. Yeah. Which is watching it previously. Sure. But sure. but I but that's because I feel like they could have... There's a checklist that um, the creator of The Good Place has for every single episode they do. Okay. Story about heaven. It's comedy. Mm-hmm. There's there's just a, there's a number of things that they have to check off. It's six things. I don't know what they are. I, I don't remember what they are. That they have to do every single episode to use the material. Sure. To make sure that they are using the premise of the show. Um, a nice, simple six checklist, <laughs> you know, six item checklist for this show is really what what's like. There was a hanging should be, you know, number one. Yeah. Right. Um, you could do some very interesting stuff with that, but I doubt that they're going to, although I see your eyes saying maybe they well, will. Well, no, I, no, no, that's not oh, what, that's not oh, what okay. my eyes meant. My eyes were thinking, what if instead of, or in addition to the motif of the something breaking, yeah. what if every episode has some sort of like Tom sees something that resembles a hanging, it could sure. be a hanging plant or, or a something phone knocked off the hook. Sure. Because they have cords back then. And then it just like jogs his memory just for a brief moment or maybe like he's talking to someone and it distracts him or something yeah when i started up this episode to make my notes i i remarked to myself that every episode has the same little blurb of tom talking about how where he you know how he got to where he is yeah and it's easy to gloss over that but i do think it's important to remind people what this show is because the show itself doesn't always remind you sure what it is yeah. and having motifs like that might do a little bit of a some work to more subtly drive home the point of who tom is where he came from and where you know what he's trying to do so it couldn't hurt i guess is what i'm saying to to have more parallels like yeah that. to at least know that to have a list of i i heard in your most one of your most recent uh shows your D podcast mm-hmm. Um, that uh, Justin, who's in your network, who's in your podcast network, yep. keeps when he's running the game a list of adjectives or something. Yeah. He has like a screen with just adjectives on it so that he has ways to describe things. And and I heard the two of you, you know, talking about how and, and he's very descriptive mm-hmm. when even when he's as a player, he yep. has has the set of fingertips. I've never thought about doing this for writing. I think it would be more beneficial for series writing. Mm hmm. But I think it would be good to have a bunch of go-tos at the very least. Okay. If if not, if because I, I don't know, I'm still not 100% sold on the something breaks every episode, uh, you know? <laughs> right. I don't know yet. There's just so many variables to this show. Yeah. Um, but definitely having different hanging-based things, dangling-based mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. on a on a piece of paper somewhere. Sure. Right. That you can just check and go, oh, maybe this. Right. Just something to 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 spark an idea and jog your memory. I think. Yeah. I think that that would be very helpful. And I like the idea 
of doing that for future stuff of, uh, for any series writing that you should sort of go, what are the things? Yeah, it's not and, a bad idea. And we have this game coming up soon, and it's the first time I'll be playing in a while. And I kind of like the idea of maybe not adjectives, mm-hmm. but having just some ideas of things that my character can do. I know I did that for for the last character that I've been playing at the game you run at the library, Ford. Sure. Yeah. All of the stupid stuff that he says. The first <laughs> couple of times I was just writing down things that he – dumb things that he can say yeah. based on uh, the character background that was listed on the sheet. So, <laughs> Okay. So presumably Tom calls the police uh, because the next uh, shot is he's outside. Paramedics are wheeling the body away. And uh, Sheriff Norman Wade comes over, played by Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. We had a little bit of talk off mic about how I think uh, Brian Cranston does a really good job with this. The character isn't very interesting, but he he feels very genuine. He feels like a real person. Yeah, he is suspicious when he should be suspicious. He is is reasonable when he should be reasonable. I I wouldn't describe the character as not interesting. I think what you're reaching for is that the character is not extraordinary. Okay, maybe that's it. Um, just because. <laughs> we have to adjust for inflation on this show. There are sure. of of the characters. He's he's, he's not a psychic he, blind kid. He's at least in the middle. <laughs> he's yeah. at least. There are some more dull characters, and I just wanted to give the writing. Uh, I, I guess. I guess. Maybe, maybe well. that was probably an uncharitable uh, uh, adjective. To I should have had a, a screen with <laughs> adjectives on it. But what he does is he takes a character that's not going to do anything fantastical. Mm-hmm. And make sure that that's always compelling. That's what's yeah. that's what's impressive about. Him. And then and then, I even feel like maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's not. But in the scenes where he's dealing with Tom, I feel like even even Bruce Greenwood does a better job. Uh, I totally believe that. There, I have not thought about this completely. Um, certainly, I have seen. I, I brought it up where Bruce Greenwood cannot believe that he has to write this. <laughs> right. There, there are there are episodes. I think in the internet episode, mm-hmm. I feel like he was doing better work. Okay. I think in the F- New Phoenix episode, he was not doing better work. You know what? Here's an interesting thing. Because yeah. you had a lot to say about D and the and the her acting style. Yeah. At the absolute minimum, I don't think Bruce did a good job acting. It, it wasn't his best. Yeah. In that episode, it was so aggressive in that episode. Um. So I think that's a really good correlation, at least to note that when there's a when there's a tricky actor playing opposite him he doesn't carry the scene or at the you know it's it's he may be i'm sure he's trying yeah yeah. but um this show really benefits from uh when you give him good good co-stars because you give him carrie ann moss and you know he was it was interesting to watch him interact with carrie ann moss i'm i'm checking right now to see who directed the episodes that we think were better or worse. Yeah. And uh, looking for correlations. You're looking for. Looks like uh, Paradise on Your Doorstep and The Spider Web b- were both uh, directed by the same person. I think all the others were directed by different people. So okay. uh, I'm, I'm curious if, if that had something to do with it too. I don't know. Yep. Yep. So Tom is talking to Sheriff Wade. Uh, Sheriff asks if Tom knew the kid, uh, if the kid stood out. Tom says standing out is a bad thing here. So. Probably not. The sheriff asks what Tom was doing in the chapel at 8.45 a.m. Tom does have a perfectly reasonable excuse. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but uh, like, have have you ever been trying to think how to describe it? Because you haven't driven in a long time, right? Oh, yeah. Not for a long time. Back when you did drive, did you ever get pulled over for any reason? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I... part of the reason I'm not driving today, truly. Oh, Oh, okay. I was not aware of that. It was just, it it was one of those altercations where... I didn't realize I was I was making a mistake on the road. Yeah. And it really pissed this cop off. Oh. And he pulled me over 
and it just really shook my confidence. It was uh, yeah. So well, sorry to hear that. Um, I I, I feel like anytime I deal with an an authority figure, I guess my mind immediately went to like a cop pull, pulling you over. But I guess it even applies anytime I'm like at work and like I have to like talk to my supervisor or something. Okay. Um, the sheriff is asking a question he should be asking right. and tom has a reasonable answer sure but tom is he's like fumbling around like oh well you clearly it was i have i have this excuse i have this excuse and it's uh it's, a, it's an actual actual excuse but you know i can i can tell that tom is nervous yeah tom obviously has lots of reasons to be nervous when yeah. talking to uh to a cop but uh i don't know I, it felt very very real i guess okay to me. um yeah. So he was he was in there because Brian Cranston felt like a real threat in this episode. Okay, I, the, the the cop really felt like a real threat. Like it, like un, the, until the end, mm-hmm. when Tom manages to you know exit this town as yeah. he is wont to do, um, and the and the manner in which he goes about that, I'm sitting here watching, going, oh man, yeah, this this guy, this cop, <laughs> and I'm like. Tom's Tom's done. Tom's dealt with much more difficult people than one local cop. Yeah. Why am I scared? Um. You know. And 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 so yeah, it was definitely a performance where he he, he it it could have very easily, if it were a, you know uh, an actor who wasn't really embodying the mm-hmm. cop role, could have either been like overly aggressive. Yeah. Um. Because it was just it was this wonderful tightrope walk of oh man is he is he gonna get See, away is he gonna for me i felt for most of the episode i felt like the cop was his one ally okay an ally but an ally that uh tom can't be 100 percent honest with i could see it like that yeah I, certainly i wanted the two of them to ally yeah but um it was one of the few times where it actually and maybe that's it maybe because he was actually connecting with the cop mm-hmm. it felt like he was being more open than usual, or maybe he was letting his guard. I don't know, but he was definitely, um, it felt like a real threat for some reason. Okay. I'll okay. look for more reasons as we go through it, but it definitely felt like a real threat, which was good. I think it's important. Sure. Tom can't be a superhero or admit you're writing the superhero genre. Sure. He's got to be somebody who can be, who can make mistakes, who can't. This is one of the few episodes where it feels like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Tom's made a real mistake. How is he going to get out of this one uh, in this episode? Okay. It, 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 it was important because in a, in a show where there was more consistency, mm-hmm. instead, I, pretty much I just I, I treat every episode as a, I don't know what we're getting. Let's let's see. But if I if, if it was a, if it was a show with more consistency, I would now be much more afraid for future episodes. Okay. Because it would remind me that Tom is is not infallible, that he can get that he can make mistakes, that he sure. can get caught, and he just hasn't yet. Okay. And I think that's an important part of that tension needs to be there. Instead, it's replaced with a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, you know, like I said, Tom has an excuse. The he says like he was going for like the circuit breakers to run the sprinklers. They were in the basement of the chapel or something. But he does say that he saw some kids coming out, which seemed odd because everybody else was. Should have been busy doing other stuff. He recognized one of the kids. Uh, one of the kids is Kyle Manx, who I have described as a kid with a face you want to punch. <laughs> He's one of those kids, uh-huh. one of those rich kids that yeah. everybody looks up to, and he knows it. He's very confident in everything he does. He knows whatever he says. Everybody else will back him up on it, whether it's true or not. 
he says he wasn't there. And then, like, they ask all the other kids and, like, 200 kids are all like, yep, I saw him. He was right next to me. Yeah, he was right in front of me in formation. Yeah, no, he was right there. Everybody, Everybody's on his side. Yeah. Even though we, the viewer, know that he was there. That's correct. <laughs> um, you know, we went through this separately, and I had these emotions. So yeah. I, I, it's nice but, to hear to feel them validated. But hey, hey, Kyle's not a jerk, because despite being a preppy prick, Kyle says, oh, it must be a misunderstanding. He's not vindictive about this. Tom right. simply mistook him for somebody else. Uh, he did know the kid that died, though, and he didn't really fit in. Fist. <laughs> Face. They should meet each other. So Tom thinks Kyle is lying. Uh, Sheriff tells Tom to stay put and keep in touch. So uh, I think it's that. Yes. Well, I just I have a note <clears throat> about the first. Con- well, he hasn't had the confrontation with Kyle but when he's going to have the confrontation with Kyle. In, in yeah, a yeah, that's, that's in a moment. Um, I have written down that when I was talking about bu- Tom was like bullying mm-hmm. before. I the to put that in a broader context when. <clears throat> I I believe I've talked before about how Thanos in Infinity War is a sympathetic villain. Yeah. And part of him being able to lose for real in Endgame thematically is he has to talk about how he's going to enjoy doing what he's doing. That he yeah. loses the – he gives up the moral high ground because he just wants to demolish the planet for fun using his huge might. Mm-hmm. Um he said he's got a face that Kyle has a face you just want to punch. <laughs> um, I have written down a, a note about accumulating power for power's sake or accumulating power and having fun with it. Okay. That that there is a such thing as needing power for leadership. Mm-hmm. It should not be a fun thing, though. You, it should not be fun for you. That, sure. that, that real leadership is, is not fun for you. It's not titillating. It's not a thing for your enjoyment. Um, and so uh, Tom really really doesn't doesn't like that in this case he wants to punch his face too yeah <laughs> you know and he really could and just leave <laughs> like, like, he really could like, let's be honest here so that's part of this episode is the whole time you do just kind of want him to punch the kid in yeah. the face and leave and go to the next town where he's delivering you know taco bell this time sure, sure. um so anyway right. so uh that night um tom goes to the the boys dormitory which has which was one of the places that had like the the switch or whatever. And when he's in the dormitory, he is looking at a similar fuse box with, I, I didn't quite understand what he was looking at this other time. Right. And when you were talking before about, is it supposed to be a fuse box and the other, you know, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. He's looking at some box of switches. I don't know. They're very fast and loose with their, this thing is this. Yeah. And you know, th- there's not a ton of tech they have to pull from. Right. Yeah. I just give him a wide berth and go, oh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose so is my anthem for this show. (laughs) That works. So Tom's looking quite beat. So he sits down on a bench in the hall and falls asleep. Cut to commercial. Uh, He then, we come back from commercial, and he is laying on the bench now fully asleep. It's it's the next morning he Mm -hmm. has fallen asleep on this bench. And Kyle wakes him up. After like that, we hear church bells off in the distance. Kyle wakes Tom up, finds him, you know, sleeping in the hall. He reminds him that it's against curfew for anybody to be out after whatever hours, even the staff. Um, 
and he vaguely threatens him about, you know, like, oh, the the curfew committee or whatever doesn't look kindly on on uh, uh, adults in the children's dormitory or the students' dormitory after hours. And he says something. Tom says something about like the the truth about Tom, Tom knows that Kyle had something to do with this kid dying. Right, right. He says something about the truth will come out, and then Kyle says the truth is what the community will accept. So in other words, like people will believe Kyle, the best and the brightest, over Tom, the creepy groundskeeper that and just showed up. And and this is an important line for the series. Yeah. Because this is a huge premise of this organization. Mm-hmm. This is almost, I, I don't think, I'm not saying he's getting this verbatim from the organization. Right. But he's being brought up in the, in the organization's, you know, training camp, essentially. It very well might be part of their motto. Well, it's certainly their aim, right? Yeah. It's certainly their aim is... They are, when I've talked before about, I like the idea of them not being um, omnipotent. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're good magicians. Yeah. And it's just that they know where the pressure points of of society are. And we've seen it in terms of rather the pressure points of a person. But I like the idea of they are, they are not, they are not interested actually in too many individuals. It's Mm -hmm. that they are interested in the pressure points of society. Sure. And there are and all of the people in New Phoenix are examples of people who could have gotten in their way that they have tried to clip the wings of that mm-hmm. that they are most interested not in these people, but in compliance. Right. That's what Bellamy says right at the beginning of the show in the first episode. Um, most people just comply or they say yeah. they says something like that. Yeah. Um, so the idea of could you please join the herd, Tom? Could you please is <laughs> is is an ongoing thing in this show. And right. so. It, it's it makes him an even easier villain to give him that line because then he is the mouth of everything that is wrong with this story's world. So mm-hmm. um, I just had a thought. So we had a lot of fun last episode uh, talking about how the whole like when you're in the VR or whatever, whatever your mind thinks is real is real thing. Right. Um. Does that have a parallel with what Kyle is saying here? The truth is what the community will accept. If enough people think it, is it true? Could that be something of a mission statement for the show? Maybe not, but I can't well, help but feel like there is a similarity between the two. Certainly the show is right when we we joke about the wording of it but about the the line about it's about the human condition. Mm-hmm. I <clears throat> I have not yet gotten the sense well, here's the thing. It's not clear yet if when Lawrence Herzog was creating the show, mm-hmm. if he had a clear idea of there was something he had uncovered in his life sure. that he feels like more people should spend time thinking about. And that's what this show is. Mm-hmm. Or if he just had a notion of, huh, I wonder what, and like went and made this show. <laughs> yeah. Or if he had an inkling and then it got, you know, waylaid by tech television being difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to know. What he meant by its stories about the human condition, yeah. because is he? Because here's the thing, right? Until it took a lot of effort when when I was first working with you, editing the writing you were doing, yep. to convince you to not hold all of the information away from the audience for yeah. so long. Yeah, that um, is something I'm still struggling with, but I'm I think I'm getting better. You're definitely and like at, at the very least, you get where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. the audience needs enough yep. to get invested. And it is hard to know if Lawrence Herzog had an idea in mind yeah. that he was he was driving at. I want to play. I want to do a show 
that plays with your perceptions of reality. I don't want it to be as anthological as the Twilight Zone. Sure. And I don't want it to be as procedural as something like the X-Files. I just want to explore, yeah, what is reality, right? Mm-hmm. And it does have a lot of there, – there are science fiction properties that I've seen that came after this show that – more and more I wonder if people who I, whose movies I respect watched this show. Yeah. I, I, I am very remiss to give them that credit, <laughs> but – I am having. I have one. Uh, I have a note in here because once we get to the chapel mm-hmm. and they start doing the chant about oh strength and unity, and yeah. I was like, "Did the Wachowskis watch this show? Because there's some Matrix stuff in one of the other episodes." Okay, yeah. literally, Carrie Ann Moss is in this. Yeah, and th- what is the? Th- I don't know what the actual line in this show is, but the one that I remember from V for Vendetta is strength through unity, unity through faith. And it's very close to the thing that they're that they're talking about in here. And V for Vendetta is a story about how fragile democracy is if you mess with the news. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying in terms of uh, I, I think maybe the show is that the mission statement of the show is not so much uh, what is real, mm-hmm. but that what we will casually groove into as real, what we will what we will. Just go, yeah, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> right. Um, is really not th- as hard to manipulate as we'd like it to be. Yeah. We have fewer defenses to to being sucked into somebody's brainwashing th- than, than, than really should be comfortable with. Yeah. And so I like, I like the idea that maybe the show is trying to point at this could happen to you. Sure. Right. Um, I I haven't watched it, but I think on one of the I think on the very last DVD there's a special with Lawrence Herzog where it's it's titled like Could this really happen? Okay, or something. So I'm I'm interested to, to Just see that when, when we're done. Does make it sound like he is at least thinking about this is not some whim. Yeah, right. Just the existence of that DVD bumped <laughs> bumped up my confidence a whole notch. Because it feels because that's what this show needs to be about. Otherwise, it's just a it's just an exercise. Sure. Um, could this really happen? Is the real is is a worthwhile question? It's worth asking that at the end of every one of these episodes. I don't want to mm-hmm. make it like an official part of each episode. Yeah. But it's definitely something to continuously be looking into. Part of the problems we have had is that a lot. <laughs> The plain thing with the ether couldn't happen, but that's not the part we're supposed to be questioning. <laughs> right. So our right. questioning muscles are abused by the time we get to the actual um, really chewy, interesting bit of the story. That's why I had to move myself to the director's intent for this episode must have been this. <laughs> right. So that we could get to the actually interesting, intellectually complex mm-hmm. part of the part of the show that. I now believe because of that DVD okay. is intended to be there. Well, I'll make sure that that's even on there. Maybe I maybe I dreamt <laughs> it up. Just a ton of a... false hope, and I <laughs> yes. accepted it so quickly. Because you're so eager to have some sort of justification. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kyle uh, Kyle threatens Tom, says nobody will believe him. Uh, again, punchable face this guy has. <laughs> I have in my notes. Uh, so then we have a scene in the chapel again. A very bizarre scene of kids singing America the Beautiful. In that everybody's just sitting down, nobody's doing anything, and then one kid stands up and starts singing a solo, and then another kid starts singing in harmony, and then every row by row, everyone is standing up, and they all start marching forward to 
as far as we can tell, nobody. I mean, later we see there's people up on right. the stage, but like at that point, th- as far as we know, where there's an empty chapel performing this thing. Vi- oh, go ahead. No, go on. Well, visually, it is really, sm- it is really, really disturbing mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. Yeah. One, they form a weird triangle that does not exist on the floor plan of the church. <laughs> right. And it does look like they're doing it for nobody. Yeah. Which, because this is a brainwashing episode, and we don't super, super know that yet. We haven't actually heard the tapes. We right. haven't. We don't know about the earplugs yet. Um, the idea is, y- if you're going to build this sort of brainwashed army, mm-hmm. they shouldn't need you there in person in order to do weird ass shit that you told yeah. them to do. Yeah. So, like, it was sort of odd to watch, but thinking about it a second time, and that's mm-hmm. the problem is that you know if. <clears throat> this show cannot rely on in its current state viewers watching the episode a second time. You couldn't even rely on that in 95 because yeah. it, you had to you had to wait for the show to come around again. I mean like unless you recorded it on VHS I guess, but yeah, but, but yeah. that's just it is that 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 if you're going to build a show that requires you to watch it through twice. Mm-hmm. Um oof. Yeah. It was a lot of work. You had to earn that and it's mm. All right. It's it's just real bizarre. It's so bizarre. It feels like it comes out of nowhere and then goes right back to where it came from. I don't know. It's very unsettling. <laughs> but the show wants it to be unsettling, yeah. I think. You know, it's um, – the, the, you talk about the emotion of this show and the reason why I don't think you can just add some comedy into the show is because you need – if there is a release valve in the show, mm-hmm. creepy stuff like that is less creepy. It's sure. sort of funny and weird. Part of the reason that's so creepy is there's no release valve in this in this show. Yeah, there's... it plays it exactly as straight as everything else that happens. Yeah, so it's just it's disturbing some of the stuff. Yeah. So uh, then the headmaster walks up to the pulpit and he starts talking about I guess their motto, which is unity, commitment, strength, and just goes on and on and on about unity and commitment and strength and uh, there's like arm movements and stuff it's it's comes off as very culty which it probably is meant to be um they're chanting about you know unity and commitment and strength and all while this is going on uh the sheriff walks in and sort of sidles up to tom who we now see the staff is also in the room but again earlier all we saw were the kids in a big empty room um the and uh the sheriff sort of makes some small talk about how, like, things were more relaxed in his day, about how, like, they would... uh, I don't remember exactly what it says. Something like we would say some Hail Marys and then go sneak out and smoke a cigarette. And, of course, Tom has a snarky response. You know, smoking will kill you, right? Or whatever. Um, Kyle, of course, kid with a punchable face, uh, nods to Tom and the sheriff as the congregation leaves. The sheriff tells Tom that he ran a background check on him. Uh, and there was nobody named Jack Griffin. So Tom, Tom basically says like, Hey, come with me and I'll, I'll, he says like, let's go somewhere you can smoke. Cause like he pulls out a cigarette and starts to light it. Tom's like, can't smoke in here. Come with me. So I think this was probably the first bit of goodwill to between them. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, let's go somewhere else so you can smoke and we'll talk. Yeah. And it's not just like, Oh, he's on to me. I need to run or something to light him on fire. <laughs> light him on fire. Exactly. Um, so they go to, I, I guess, the groundskeeper's shed or whatever, like, building Tom works in. Um, it was a nice piece of set, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Yeah. It definitely looked like there was, it was just, it was tall. 
It's, I think it's a loft. There's like a ladder or yeah, something was, going up out of shot. There's just tons of little factory bit looking things. Yeah, and they, they nice. come back here a couple times, so it's. And I'm and I bring it up only because so many times it's not a nice set piece. That's the only reason <laughs> I bring it up. Sometimes it's a it's a hotel room with a chandelier in the middle is, of the living room. This is the this is the level of set they wish they had for every shot, and yeah. they don't always. Yeah. Um. So Tom tells the sheriff that uh, that Jack Griffin is not his real name, but don't worry, he's not a criminal. All criminals would say that. Just, I know. Just saying I that. know. But I know. again, the sheriff is reasonable. When yes. t- when Tom is reasonable to him, he's reasonable right. back. The sheriff says he needs something to write in his report if there's going to be a hearing. And there is probably going to be a hearing because the more they look into this suicide, the less it looks like a suicide. Yeah. Um, there is a real weird detail here. <laughs> While they're talking, Tom... It looks like Tom sprinkles some salt into his hand and then sniffs it. <laughs> I want, me to, no, want me to bring this up? Please do, because I have no idea what you're talking I about. I had to rewind it like three times to see what <laughs> what the heck was happening. Um, <laughs> I cannot imagine. Oh, he licks it. He sprinkles some salt into his hand and then licks it. Stella Adler, who trained under Stanislavski. (laughs) I love where this is going. Keep going. Talked about how it's really important to, in her philosophy of acting, which is for the stage, Mm -hmm. have business to attend to in addition to the lines that you're saying. So you're not just there delivering lines. Yeah. David Mamet, who is of of stage and and film, said nobody speaks unless they want something. He was talking about that from a writing perspective, but also to give actors an idea of you're not there to say lines. Yeah. You're there to try to get a thing. Every Mm -hmm. single time your character says a thing, it's an attempt to get a thing. You should also be able to tell whether or not you got the thing by saying that. And if you didn't, your character will say more things. That's how the that's how the scene progresses. Yeah. Um, Stella Adler really liked the idea of. If you want those lines to be compelling and realistic, mm-hmm. you will obfuscate them by saying them while doing stuff. So she would make sure that you know her character had her character was um, in her room getting ready to go out to a date and 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 talking with you know someone who's in the room or with, with her while she was getting ready. Mm-hmm. She would make sure that her her boots or something were super laced up. So the whole scene, she's got to be there unlacing these boots so she can be focused on the on unlacing the boots so that she can say something out of the corner of her mouth, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, similarly, almost in reverse of the way that talking to me, you did better fighting a boss in Dark Souls. Because oh, yeah, hand, I've, done, I've done that. Your mind was busy, so it made your hands really good. Mm-hmm. The idea being make your hands busy so that your mind's really good. Okay. And I feel like a lot of the times these sets are just so bonkers. Yeah. That if maybe Bruce Greenwood is looking for any way to make this show real, <laughs> he's, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel for something to interact with so that he can make this performance not seem like, uh, I have to say these lines, that's how they give me the paycheck. You yeah. know, so I, I don't know what it was, but that's... In any event, how my brain calculates whatever the hell it was that he just sprinkled into his hand and yeah. licked. <laughs> because however weird that was, uh-huh. 
the acting was naturalistic. Real life. Like, sure, while he was sure. Do, like, while he was doing it, he was doing a good job of... The thing he was do, he was distracting himself with is insane. Is nothing. It's not a thing human beings do. Yeah. But he was good in the scene. So that's... So there you go. You think on that. Write a report. Get back to me. Okay. So Tom asks the sheriff uh, why he stopped believing the kids. And I wrote down uh, all of Sheriff uh, Sheriff Wade's line. My testicular reaction to that group is that they're all a bunch of elite little turds whose daddies have too much money and too little time. And it says that uh, basically he trusts Tom, but he does still need to know who he is. Like, you know, I, I, I trust that you're not a criminal, but I can't write the person who found the body was not a criminal and, ca- you know, close case. <laughs> um, so Tom tells him his name. He says, my name's Tom Vale. But if he runs it, whatever he finds... Or doesn't find Tom is telling him the truth, which an interesting way to put that. Okay. Uh, about the kids, Tom says, okay, okay, here's, sorry. Tom, Tom does something that at the time, even after having seen this episode before, I right. was real confused what was going on okay, here. Okay, okay. I still don't know exactly what he is saying, but I wrote it down to the best of my ability. Yeah. I think uh, something, somebody asks about the kids and then Tom says... I, this is the best I could write this down after yeah. watching it like five times yeah. in a row. The kids, they won't try the unity of purpose. Couldn't unity the strength. <laughs> and then there's a weird music sting. Tom gets this weird look on his face. So my my inclination was that like something weird just happened. But Brian Cranston's character shrugs, puts his little notebook in his pocket and then gets up and walks away. Like, he does not react like he just heard something weird. And because his acting is so genuine, I thought, oh, surely I'm misinterpreting what just happened. Surely something normal just happened. But it's real weird. Here's here's what I'm almost certain happened. I don't know. Okay. I don't don't know. Here's what I'm fairly certain happened. Um, it, It was very fast, the words out of his mouth. Yeah. What I what my understanding of the scene was was they were talking about won't what if the kids run away or something like that what some, if the, what if the kids who did it run away or some something okay. to, to that effect mm-hmm. and tom automatically precognitively mm-hmm. has a response for the cop okay which is that the kids will not run away because of the unity that what's well, what's the thing what's what's the uh unity commitment strength i think yeah and harmony and all that he he basically automatically uh-huh. says something from the, the subliminal tapes. Okay. And then doesn't know where the hell those words came out of his mouth. But because Tom knows he would never say those things, mm-hmm. Tom is the one who recognizes that something weird happened. The cop is just listening to him. Okay. That's th- the, does that, that, make- that makes sense. Okay. But I, for the life of me, could not parse what he just yeah, said. Yeah, I don't know what the words were. If you want, we can spend a quick I, minute. Let's, let's, and I'll, I'll try to, if I ever get around to editing this, I will put the, uh, I'll put the audio in. Where does that leave the kids? The kids, they won't betray the unity of purpose, commitment to unity of strength. They won't betray the unity of purpose, commitment to the unity of strength. That's what, okay. That's what okay. it says. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. And upon this listen, I was able to pick up some of that. I swear, I listened to that yeah, yeah, yeah. so many times. And I was like, I, but I couldn't tell. Having headphones it, might be required to hear that. It's so fast. But I couldn't tell. Was it that Tom said something nonsensical? Was it that Tom said something sure. 
that he thought was unusual. But I I didn't know what yeah, the confusion, you, what the right, musical okay, sting was for. Yeah, the musical sting. I'm fairly certain is Tom's realization of okay. Gee, I just said something culty that I don't remember that deciding makes to say. A lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they won't betray the commitment to purpose. Unity, blah blah blah. Something. Well, yeah. I, I guess I was trying to figure out what the blah 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 was, but right. whatever the case, that okay, that yeah, makes but, a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. He so, was basically saying the company line, and he mm-hmm. doesn't know where. Yeah, where did that come from? Uh, have you seen um, Hot Fuzz? Uh, not for a long time. I, I have, yeah. but in that movie, oh, Hot Fuzz. Hot fuzz. Sorry, I was thinking of a completely different movie. Yes, absolutely. It's yes. like someone said the greater good, and he automatically responded that, with the greater good. <laughs> the greater good. Yes, that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. By the way, Lawrence Herzog, watch watch Hot Fuzz. <laughs> that's a great example of could that happen here. That's sure. a great example. There you of go. Some creepy. Um, so Tom sneaks into the dorm once again uh, at night, where he finds because when else would you do it? Sorry, it's just so it's super. <laughs> it's extra creepy this time. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, where Wouldn't be Tom Vale if you would Go ahead. <laughs> so he sneaks into the dormitory where he hears a recording being played. Right. About community and unity and strength in numbers. What's good for the community is good for everyone. Real brainwashy subliminal stuff. Yeah. Um, this is something that I thought was really clever. Tom has earplugs in. Right. They don't show you right away, which yeah. is a nice piece of tech in, in setting up the scene. So it's like, oh, man, the longer he stands there, he's going to, oh, no, he's been immune the whole time. It's real. Yep, it's a, nice, exactly. it's a so, nice shot. Yeah. So he so he takes them out so you can hear, you know, what all's happening. Um, and so we, we basically at this point, we realize what's going on here. The kids are being brainwashed while they sleep, which explains a lot. Yeah. Um, and part of the creepiness of the weird shape they make uh in the chapel that yeah. is just completely not aligned to where the pews are. Yeah. They move like a unit formation in a war game. Okay. Where like they move as one thing instead of a whole bunch of individual people who would have to, they move like a flock. They move more unified than a flock of geese. Yeah. Um. So they, they, they look like the Sims with autonomy turned off is basically oh, okay. what, what, you know, they look, they, they look like a, a, a unit of, of soldiers in a game mm-hmm. that are all able to move at exactly the same time because they're computer controlled. Sure. Which, you know, is a tyrant's dream. Yeah. Is that you don't have to convince people that you're on their side. You don't have to sell them. You don't have to sell them that, that they're, you're the one that they should listen to because mm-hmm. they just listen to you in their sleep and then they just do exactly what you want. Go make this weird slightly tr- this weird sort of triangle and and they do. Cool. <laughs> now world domination, you know, is is an easy hop skip and a jump from there. Hey Tommy, you're going to start singing first. <laughs> hey Melissa, you're going to start singing two lines in. Hey Bobby and Jerry, you're going to stand up after the third line. Much like the technology of the VR stuff in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. I am trying to make affordances for Oh, okay. Maybe their subliminal stuff is more advanced than we're seeing. I guess. And that, uh, well, for, for this purpose. Yeah. That's scarier. Okay. That if they do have the ability to subliminally introduce, like, we never see someone saying, I mean, Joni, you stand here. Tom. Well, yeah. Tom's the main character. Right. Billy, Tom, you stand Tom here. with a, an H. <laughs> um, you know, we never see a teacher mm-hmm. explaining what, freaking weird stuff they should all be doing in unison yeah so the idea that they just do this you know and, and certainly there could have been 
an instructor who taught them, but we never see yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good point. Like in the first scene where they're all out like practicing or whatever, they're just doing it on their own. They're just doing it on their own. It's very creepy. So, so what I mean to say is, truly, it is scarier and creepier mm-hmm. that it's not just you know ideology that's being programmed into them. It's they like are direct instruction. Physiology. Yes, exactly. They are they are moving their bodies semi involuntarily. Yeah, and that's terrifying. And it, at the very least, puts some shape behind who the bad guys are. Mm-hmm. If this mm-hmm. is who Bellamy is, if this is what he was working towards, then it's not about Tom. Tom's yeah. a fly in the ointment. Right. They're trying to be able to broadcast this so that they can they can take over the the whole rest of the population. The other 300 billion people and this is the you know one of the one of the 200 people who can get in the way. Sure. Um so it's it's just it helps really step we need the bad guy to be something. Yeah, and and this this helps you know. I have no, to, no, it's I have a, to want it, but it it's helps a make a spooky guy sitting behind a desk, <laughs> as we see in the opening credits. That's who the bad guy is. That's 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 Jerry organization. <laughs> Jerry organization, <laughs> founder of the organization. Um, uh, but but th- so finding out that they are brainwashing the kids while they sleep that explains why early in in the episode when he finds like the hidden compartment in the headmaster's office. There's switches for each of the different areas. Right. So there's an area, there's a switch for the boys' dormitory, a switch for the girls' dormitory, and a switch for the chapel. Right. So maybe, well, no, because Tom, Tom was in the building when they were doing the stupid singing thing. I don't know. So there's, so there could be subliminal stuff in the, you know, while they're in the chapel too. Right. And certainly um, the, it might be that they're done with the chapel one. It could maybe. be easily that they, you know, they have what, they're not going to turn it on while the cops are there. Sure. Right. Sure. Checking the stuff out. I have a, a line that I think is from this scene that says a voice raised against the group must be silenced. Does that sound like what was one yes. part of the yeah. tape? Yeah. I, I didn't write down all because it's, it's going the whole scene. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, that definitely sounds. A voice raised against the group must be silenced. That's the show. Yeah. That's the show. Yeah. Um, and it's not just Tom. It's the hanged people. Yeah. And, okay. And Tom is now speaking for the dead. Yeah. And so now they have to stop Tom from speaking for the dead. That's the show. Okay. So I just wanted to pull that. I want to make sure that's that's, that's a that's a good uh, good detail. Okay. Um. So we see Tom back in his shed or whatever. He's listening to a recording of Doctor Bellamy. So I thought it, it was really cool. They got the actor to play Doctor Bellamy. That was great. Um. They could have easily, if they couldn't get that actor for for example, used like a, just a different person and just I don't know have a line about like when he was younger he recorded these or whatever. They but, could have used that like the paintings in Heroes. They yeah. could he could have had one massive tape. Of Dr. Bellamy and just, you know, been each episode extracting a different piece of information he was obsessing that about. That would have been really interesting. It just, at the very least, it would have, you know, it would have applied consistency to. Yeah. There, um, so small spoilers with no detail. In a few episodes yeah. around the midpoint of the season, there is going to be a through line for a big chunk of episodes. Right. So they could have used, if that's what they wanted to, they could have used something like this for that. Uh-huh. I don't think they wanted to. From my understanding, when they do finally introduce this through line, it's directly because the producers said, you have to do this. Right. So um, anyway, so Dr. Bellamy is talking about subliminal messaging while Tom has books out about mind control. <laughs> see, see, yeah. Some nice little props out. Yeah. Um, and the re- recording segues from, from this to Bellamy talking about the alpha spike. Yeah. While this is going on, a girl knocks on the door. Um, sorry, is go, this go where he, I mean, just just so that we've covered it, the Alpha Spike is it's his way of. Oh yeah, because we didn't actually say what it was. It's his way of making sure that they're weeding out the less compliant people. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's the ones who are super susceptible. Right. Right. So if you got into this school, you're a tool. 
That's I mean, what the, that's I, mean, what the <laughs> I already knew that, Steve. <laughs> so did Brian Cranston. But it's, now we have a graph to show it. We have right, a brainwave right. to show it. Yeah. Is this where he was talking about? I have a thing that quoted here. This is a desire to cooperate. I think so. I yeah. think that's part of Bellamy. Sorry, I, talk- did, I didn't actually write down anything of what Bellamy was saying. That's okay. These are these are just pull quotes because I, I, a desire to cooperate because I liked the parallel of Bellamy saying most people just cooperate. Yeah. That 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 you don't understand. Right. Most people just go with this. They don't dig their heels in like you're doing. Please don't cover me with <laughs> with, with <laughs> yes. photochemicals. Um, but that that's but the, but the, that's that's their their aim. Mm-hmm. They need people to cooperate with them, yeah, because they're not going to share power with the masses, and they're not going to eliminate the masses. Yeah, so they need the masses to eat out of the palm of their hand. That, I I wonder if there is a way that they could have maybe tied this into the fact that they want to control Tom rather than just kill Tom. Yeah, if maybe there had been some part where somebody. Maybe the headmaster expresses disdain for whoever, for, I mean, well, I guess the headmaster doesn't claim to know who killed the kid. Yeah. If there was some way to incorporate, like, whoever killed that kid, they shouldn't have done that. They should have gotten him to comply. When the organization suits sort of show up at the end to raid, yeah. it'd be real easy to have a guy cutting off the cigar with his pencil, yeah. um, you know, poking the hole in the cigar with his pencil, saying, so what did they do? They killed the kid? Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's that's such a waste. Yeah, that, right. that that would have been real nice. Yeah. But, you know, again, Monday morning cornerbacking, I don't want to. Sure, sure, sure. You know. But it's, I, you know, it's it's just nice to keep track of these would have been the nice touches. Yeah. That we, we all we want is to be courted. All, yeah. we, all we want is to be treated well as viewers. <laughs> Love flowers every once in a while. Right. <laughs> so uh, a girl's knocking on the door. And again, this is late at night, so this is unusual. But uh, so Tom grabs all his notes and stuff, puts them away, turns off the recorder. Uh, he answers the door and it's a student, Vicky who is distraught and wants to make a confession to Tom. So he invites her in. She says that she heard Kyle talking to the other boys about killing. Uh, I, I swear they said his Danny Gannon. They said it, they say it in the next scene. Danny Gannon was the name of the kid that quote unquote killed himself. They, I don't think they said his name a single time until the scene after this one. Okay. But uh, anyway, so, so Vicky says that she heard Kyle talking to the other boys about killing Danny Gannon. And they said the Kyle said that if anybody told about it, then they would be in trouble. So like something bad would happen to them uh, while he's talking to her. Tom, hears a noise that he sort of like hears a noise outside, but he doesn't really he just sort of like you see him sort of turn his head a little bit. But he's like, oh, it's one of those plants falling over on their own. <laughs> sure. Those just those just fall over around me all the time. Um, and uh, Vicky cries, cries some more. She says that Kyle's dangerous. She really thinks that he killed Danny Gannon. Tom consoles her, but he tells her, like, you know, it's the middle of the night. You got to leave. Uh, I'll call the sheriff first thing in the morning. Just, you know, go, go. I'll, I'll take care of this. Uh, but she says that she needs to be held and she'll do anything for him. And she goes in to kiss him. Uh, to Tom's credit, he tries to stop her. However, outside we see Kyle is snapping pictures and Tom realizes he's been set up. Vicky smiles at him and leaves and uh, cut to commercial. So I think... As far as villains go, like yes, I want to punch Kyle in the face, but like that's it's a it's a good plan. If if he's trying to manipulate Tom, like that's that is a clever plan on his part. Right. Um, so the next morning, Tom shows up to Kyle's room, asks like, "What do you want? You know, you've got me. What do you want from me?" Kyle says that he's gonna hang on to the photos, and he has Vicky ready to give testimony that Tom drugged and raped her, unless Tom acts as his dog. 
So like if Tom goes and does and whatever. That's not Gabe saying that. That's yeah, no, the word that that's, Kyle uses. He used that word a lot. Yeah. He even, instead of calling Tom by whatever the name Tom goes by, he calls him dog. Yeah. And again, you want to punch this guy in the face. And to his credit, like, I'm sure that the actor is not a jerk. The actor really, he does a great job of being the punchable face. <sighs> yes. Um. So, you know. Tom basically is is his dog, is his slave. Tom's going to do whatever he wants. If he wants Tom to go uh, take his dry cleaning, he'll do it. If he wants Tom to go buy him some whiskey, he'll do it. You know, it's what he has to do. If Tom doesn't do it, he's going to end up like Danny Gannon. I'm pretty sure this right here is where they actually say the name for the first time. Um, Kyle says that Danny disobeyed a direct order, and that's why he died. And he says, you won't make the same mistake, will you, dog? And... Uh, you know, Tom... Which is basically a parallel of David Eddie Powers dangling, you know, like, like Kyle is a guy who gets it. Yeah. Kyle is a guy who, who he's like, no, I love... He's going to, in a few scenes, go, no, I love what they're doing here. Yeah. I, I want them to build this army. They're just going to need a general who can think for himself. Right. Um. So he really... He doesn't want Tom to go away. Mm-hmm. He wants power over Tom. Yeah. And that's what the organization wants. They want power over Tom. Uh, which is why I hate the lobotomy episode because that's just dumb. It drives me nuts. They yeah. should have been very explicit that Max Webb is the one who wanted to lobotomize him, and then someone was like, "We didn't even," and you know, person with a cigar with a pencil going, "We didn't even want him lobotomized. We want him to uh, submit." Yeah. Just, just pick the thing the organization wants and just <laughs> be true to it. <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, so uh, Kyle tells Tom to leave, and by the way, call Sheriff Wade and tell him you were mistaken. The sheriff asks why Tom changed his mind. Well, that's Tom's problem, dog. Outside, Tom pulls out the recording device he had on. Kaboom! <laughs> Finally, Tom did something legitimately badass and smart. <laughs> yes. Good job, Tom. Um, so Tom drives away in his truck, and I tried really hard to look at the license plate to determine the state, but no luck. Didn't they say the state or something? It's somewhere state? in New England, they yeah, said. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if they got more specific Anyways, than that. Anyways, all right. Um, so we're at the headmaster's house. The headmaster is just chilling. You know, he's like in front of the fire or something. Now, because they go to the headmaster house, the headmaster's house yeah. and not the sheriff, I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It is not because Tom the Firebringer is back. So go ahead. Keep, keep going. <laughs> like, I was very disappointed for about a minute. And then yeah. I was like, no, this is better. This is better. Make the show more of this, please. So Tom walk comes up out of nowhere with a belt. Around the headmaster's neck. Yeah. And at this point, he calls him Gordon. Calls the headmaster Gordon. Right. That is the only time in the episode where the headmaster is given a name. Even his credits just say headmaster. Um, I I wonder if that was the actor's name. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Tom asks about the Alpha Spike and Bellamy's research. The headmaster acts dumb. Or he acts, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He says that nobody will believe Tom if he makes any of this public. Tom says he'll bring the murder to light and bring down the school. And then Kyle shows up and hits Tom over the head with what looks like a lead pipe wrapped in a towel. Mm-hmm. So, this is a trope that Skyler hates. Yeah, um, that you can just knock people out. Yep. <laughs> if you are getting knocked out for any length of time, uh, you need to go see a doctor. If it happens again, you're probably gonna die. Yeah. It's real bad. It's real bad. So Skyler brought it to my attention and it sticks out like. Especially when it's like a guy gets knocked out. He like starts to get back up and then, uh oh, bonk, knocked him out again. No, that guy's in a coma now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a quick question from yeah. your medical experience. Mm-hmm. Is ether an okay thing? 
like when that's not, like not, I know, not like you should go ether people. But I that, mean, is that used appropriately? I don't know specifically ether. I don't really know anything about ether, but chloroform. Okay, will not knock you out. If you would fall, if you get knocked out by chloroform, it's because you were deprived of oxygen, not because you breathed oh, in chloroform. Shit. Like okay. you will suffocate to death. Before, like you'll you'll pass out due to lack of oxygen. Yeah. Before you'll pass out due which to which is still very not good for you. Or, oh, oh yeah. Or just <laughs> well, go, absolutely. Okay, okay, yeah. Just checking. Like maybe at some point there was a process you could use to knock someone out with chloroform. Uh-huh. Like maybe in specific doses or something. But no, the way it's used in TV and stuff, you're you're basically just putting a pillow over their mouth. Everybody treats it like it's a taser. Yeah. Tasers work like tasers, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> to the best of your knowledge? I, I doubt it. Oh, really? You think tasers? I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think I've so. I've never thought about that until this moment. Here's here's yeah. another thing that I want to I wanna bring to light. doesn't really have anything to do with this. Everybody talks about you poop yourself when you die. <laughs> no? You, wh- what happens when you die is like all of the muscles in your body that can relax, relax. Right. But a lot of the muscles that are, are involved in that are involved. Like you, they're, you don't... You sorry, you will not poop just by relaxing every muscle in your body. Right. For most people, there is some degree of pushing that has to happen, and that can't happen when you're dead. If you poop yourself when you die, it's because you were holding back poop to begin with. <laughs> sorry, I just I gotta. We're, while we're on the because I was thinking yeah. a taser will probably make you pee yourself. Oh, like, that is something that you will let go of. Okay. You don't really have to push to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So a taser will probably make you pee yourself. Um, I may, maybe a taser can be used like maybe once you can be tased and pass out and be okay. I doubt. I it's mean, like on TV, people. I've seen people not like pass out, but that they are just like paralyzed, basically. Yeah, that they just they. It's like a whole person spell. I mean, maybe, especially depending on where you're tased. Sure, like if you got okay. tased in the chest, yeah, that could kill you. Oh, really? Wow. Any sort of electric thing near your heart, yeah, yeah, because yeah. your heart is activated by electricity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like your brain, pacemaker. your brain sends an electric charge. Your and a pacemaker is when your brain isn't able to send that charge right. regularly, so the pacemaker does it instead. Yeah. So. Yeah, any sort of like like a long time ago, um, my wife Lisa got a, a like a like a little massage thing. It's these little electrodes that you attach to various parts of your body. Mm-hmm. You turn it on, and it shocks those parts of your body to like make the muscles tense or mm-hmm. relax or whatever. And you are not supposed to put those in specific parts on your chest because if you put them too close to your heart, it can mess with your heart's rhythm. Yeah, wow. And that's a very weak electric charge. Yeah, yeah. A taser. I mean, again, may, maybe you could be tasing the chest once. But I wouldn't recommend it. So, yeah, they're basically like we there's so much need outside mm-hmm. of fantasy sci fi stories to subdue a character. Yeah. But there's basically not a way to do it in real world that isn't just like bound, bound and gagging them and they're just quiet and uh, the, only, the only one I can think of is a sleep spell. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you bound them, you, you bind them, you gag them. That's about it. Because it's such a it's such an it's such a useful trope. Yeah, it's such a useful trope. Abs- absolutely, and that's why people use it. But it's 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 as it's as realistic as the lasers. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much, or okay. the holograms, or the enhance, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So, shoot, where were we? Um. So the headmaster and Kyle have Tom tied up and gagged. Kyle begins to. This is a, is a phrase I got from the the podcast, uh, the Greatest Generation. He begins to big dog. The headmaster. Okay. And that is when basically you act like you're the big dog now. Like if you walk into a room and the most important person, you tell them, go get me a coffee. Yeah. You're big dogging 
whoever was in there. Okay. Because on, on Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, which is what The Great Generation coined the phrase about. Ah, uh, okay. Um, there would often be like one character walks into the room and immediately becomes the leader. And that's that's big dogging. You know, it's not always in a negative sense, but often. It, it often is. So he begins a big dog, the headmaster, saying that he knows everything that's going on here. He's, and then he shows he sleeps wearing earplugs. Right. So like, this isn't a necessary detail, but I imagine that like probably early on, Kyle, like, maybe didn't go to bed when they told him to go to bed. And then he heard, wait a minute, why are they playing all this stuff? And so he started taking advantage of it. My actual headcanon for that was I completely assumed he had a father who told him to wear headphones. Oh, shoot. That that might be better. I never even thought about that it, that he might. Like, if he figured it out on his own, yeah. I almost admire the, the kid. Well, then I don't think that's what he had. <laughs> I, I, that's why I assumed someone yeah. someone told him. Someone... I mean, that's that's actually, that makes a lot more sense. I didn't okay. think of that. Because um, it would position you to be the de facto leader because you, you're, you're the one person who isn't drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, so the, the headmaster asks who else knows about all this. And Kyle says nobody, but then he says Danny Gannon knew, but he was going to blow the whistle. So they killed him. Um, Kyle admires the school for creating so many soldiers and followers, but all it needs is a leader. And, uh, Kyle makes some veiled threats at the headmaster who refuses to be blackmailed. But Kyle says the headmaster is now his dog too. So, uh, so he's got two dogs. Just calling him dog. I think he, maybe he <laughs> I, I, I think so. Sorry. Anytime the, the word dog is used, like part of me is like. That's that's slang. Like, right. Hey, hey, dog. He's not saying it like that. At He's not all. saying it like that he at all. He definitely says it like it's a name tag. Right. Hey, right. Dog, go get me this. That's very much. Um. So so Tom was all like tied up and stuff. And then next thing, time we see him, he's in jail. So he's been turned into the sheriff. Yeah. And uh, the sheriff is basically laying out all of this stuff that he has against Tom yep. in that uh, there are photos of Tom and Vicky. She has already made a statement. Um, he says that the headmaster claimed to have found the photos in Danny Gannon's room and that they were dated, like supposedly they weren't taken several days ago. So with the implication being Danny Gannon caught Tom and Vicky, uh, Tom drugging and raping Vicky and had proof of it. So Tom killed him. I missed that detail. I yeah. was so mad that Tom got himself into jail. Yeah. I was, I completely missed the idea that they were saying that they framed him for Danny Gannon's murder. Oh yeah. Yeah. They framed him for. completely missed that. Uh, like, I think this is, it's, again. So I, I was real mad that he was in jail. Okay. So like, uh, again, not that I admire the, the villains here, but like they've, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Um, and at this point, I really like how, cause I, I had sort of said earlier that I always kind of viewed, uh, the sheriff as being sort of an ally. Right. In this scene, like, I mean, he's not an ally. He is he is still a reasonable person. Mm -hmm. But even a reasonable person is going to look at this mounting evidence against Tom, a guy who he, the sheriff knows was using an alias and right. has no reason really to trust him. He's not being, like, mean to Tom, but he's got all this evidence. He is not listening to Tom's excuses anymore. Right. He gave him the benefit of the doubt. And now there's all this stuff saying that Tom is a murderer. Yeah. So Tom says he has a tape, which... The the sheriff is willing to listen to, mm -hmm. but I mean it's not like Tom has it with him, of course. Um, but then Tom start Tom opens his mouth and starts saying what is ultimately true, but he starts spouting all of this what has to sound like nonsense about brainwashing and the headmasters in on it and all this stuff and 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 so on. And the sheriff, you know, I understand 
isn't listening to him. Like, to- I feel being totally reasonable is not listening to Tom, even though we as a viewer know that Tom is telling the truth. Does he not listen to him? I mean, he he says like he he already gave him the benefit of the doubt. He can't he can't take him at his word now. Tom doesn't have the the uh, the recording. So what's he supposed to do? Let Tom out so he can go get? Oh, the I'm recording? sorry. I was thinking about because at some point, and maybe that maybe these are two separate cut together things. Okay. Or cut apart things. Um, doesn't Tom start explaining his whole situation? Oh, um, well, eight months in, ago, in I a, was in a in a moment or two. He okay, does. Okay, there, okay. there is that's the part. There's that, a very brief scene it. cut in got here, it. and then yeah. it comes back, yeah. and then yeah. Okay. okay. So we. That's why I was getting confused. Yeah. So we cut over to the headmaster's office. The headmaster gets a phone call. Yeah. And calls the person on the other line, sir. Right. So you know something's going down. Yeah. And the sir on the other line is asking about Tom, not Jack Griffin. Right. Tom. Tom Vale. Yep. The headmaster uh, follows orders. He knows he is out of his depth and he knows that he let Tom go because he's like, we turned him over to the police. We don't got him anymore. Right. And he knows he did something wrong. So back to the sheriff's office. Well, before you okay. leave, because yeah. I have a note about this, because I, I had a note that was like, oh, if they were going to put Tom in jail, why didn't they put Tom in jail from the start? I was just like, okay, eight episodes in, he gets his, his ass landing in jail like a right. like a dumb idiot. Come on, Tom. I was so, you know. Well, yeah, but they don't want, it's not well, them that wants that's him it. to like, my, my, Then like a minute later, my note is, oh, they don't want him in jail. Oh, <laughs> right. no, they are mad because this, because what I wrote was like, this bleeds his existence back into the actual governmental system, which we learned last episode. They are not. They oh, worked shoot, yeah. hard to get him out of the system. Yeah. So now they have to go do more erasure work. Oh, that's a great detail. All of the Max Webb stuff that they had on him that was like, here, we just shredded all this stuff. They yeah. are now undoing Tom Vale's disenfranchisement by him being in jail. So I just thought that was really neat. I, that, 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 that's a really neat detail. Yeah. I didn't even didn't even think of that. Um. So back at the sheriff's office, the sheriff's car. I noticed the sheriff's car has just like, it just says sheriff on it. It doesn't say... A county doesn't say sure. a city, just uh, just just a big star and sheriff. Um, the sheriff, no gets, giant puppet, no no, no giant no, puppet no holding a badge and a gun. From the... Yeah, and it's uh, it's like uh, officer's sheriff. <laughs> um, the sheriff gets a phone call about Tom as well. Yeah, and somebody's coming to pick him up. From the sounds of it, it's uh, somebody from the FBI. They say that Tom has several outstanding warrants. Right. And the sheriff goes and he, he relays this to Tom. And Tom is like, dude, you looked me up. You know that there are no warrants out for me. You know I was not in the system at all. And the sheriff can tell something is fishy. Goes, something fishy is going on. So at this point, he does start listening to Tom right. at least somewhat. Like he knows this this is this is not as as cut and dried as it looks. Tom says something like they're going to have official looking documents or something yes. like that. Yeah. I loved that. I didn't write it down, but I loved that line. Uh, I don't think I wrote down either. Yeah. He says like when they get here, they're going to have documents. They're going to have. It is going to it, on paper seem completely legitimate. Yeah. But. But it is all going to be fake. And yeah. And so um, Tom begins to tell him his story and tells the sheriff. And then we cut again to some guys in suits with cigars or talking to the headmaster. Um, in the credits on IMDb, there is a, a guy that is just called uh, Cigar Smoking Man, which I think is funny because Cigarette Smoking Man was a long-running character on uh, The X-Files. So back to the jail. Um, the sheriff asks Tom, you know, how do I know that, how do you know that I'm not one of them? And Tom's like, well, I don't. And so the sheriff says he thinks Tom's crazy. We hear cars speeding up to the building. 
And the sheriff is still like, he's still not going along with Tom. Yeah. He listened to his story, but he's not, he's not giving Tom the benefit of the doubt again. He already, he already said he gave it to him. And then now there's all this evidence and supposed warrants and such. But he is, what is nice about the sheriff is he doesn't become a say Tom versus Paul in uh, okay. right. Like, like yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't like, no, Tom, listen, you have a shed full of something. I don't know what it is. You know, he right. Does, he, right. Like, he, he exhibits, a restraint that I wish Bruce Greenwood had a chance <laughs> to see before filming other episodes. We've yeah. already seen. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah, no, he feels like a genuine. And I think that's why I thought of him as an ally, because he is not an enemy like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the sheriff opens up the cell to put Tom in cuffs. And he, he says, get your shirt. And I was real confused by this. It's because Tom was wearing like an overshirt over his shirt okay. that he had taken off while he was in the cell. So he puts it back on. But anyway, the shirt um, that he uh, that, that that Paul wears in the thing, that, I like, guess, that is I his guess, signature yeah. 90s cloak. <laughs> um, so the sheriff goes to put Tom in cuffs. Tom hits him and then grabs his gun. So it's not that he knocks him out. Right. He just he hit he knocks him off balance and grabs his gun, which I loved. Yeah. That's when I was back on board. I was like, ah, <laughs> he was just going along with it. He was just, yeah. Tom was never going to be taken. Uh, so, so he, um, he, I think he, and he gets, he has the sheriff give him his keys, I think, or something with his keys. And then we cut to the, the suited men run into the building. They take one look around and then immediately run back to their cars and drive away. Like they see Tom isn't in the main room. So where are they driving? I don't know, uh, but they drive away. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the sheriff and Tom are in the sheriff's car. Like, they just kind of ducked down. Tom's in the back seat, I'm guessing, with his gun to the sheriff's back. He tells the sheriff where to drive. They drive somewhere. They drive just to a remote location. They get out of the car. Tom pulls out the tape recorder. So I'm guessing he got it at some point. He plays the tape recorder for the sheriff. So it's a recording of uh, of Kyle admitting, ad- admitting to. to having killed uh, Danny Gann and talking about, you know... And you're going to tell the sheriff that you you did this and so on and so on. He plays the recording. He sets the gun down, walks away from it, lets the, the sheriff pick up the gun. The sheriff picks up the gun, points it at him. Yeah. But then the sheriff picks up the recording. He takes the tape, tosses the recorder back to him. And then he tells Tom, I'm going to get in my car. You're going to disappear. So again, acting perfectly reasonable. Yeah. I, I, I feel. So Sheriff Wade calls for back up to meet him at the the school to go arrest Kyle and arrest the uh, headmaster. Yeah. Tom walks down the road in the other direction. Uh, no uh, no voiceover, just Tom walks away, cut two credits. And I, and I loved this ending. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was a nice return to... I want Tom's superpower to be phone a friend. Okay. I want it to be that he finds someone locally to believe in his story because... There will be someone who knows the emperor is not wearing real clothes, isn't wearing any clothes. Sure. Um, that that's what I want his superpower to be. That he's able to find an, you know, I would love it to be that instead of this notion that they had in the new Phoenix episode of oh he's just someone who stirs the pot. Well, no, if he's someone who trusts you an inch. He'll trust oh, you a mile, and so he has to be yeah. so sad. That's not when the character's good. The character's good was when he trusts people, when he invests mm-hmm. in people, even if it ends up getting him, you know, uh, uh, into trouble later. Sure, it is more fun for me as a viewer, at least, to watch him 
give people he gives people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. he says i don't know if you're part of them but i'm gonna you know i'm gonna talk to you yeah as if you're human as if you're not you know a cackling bad guy with a handlebar mustache and a cigar um and he and he gives people the benefit of the doubt and i really like that and then um you know there are so many episodes where you've pointed out and then the person that he leaves behind is now going to be <laughs> dissected by yeah. this organization so the fact that this person isn't going to have that happen I this mean, is how I vote. Well, we we don't know. I was I was gonna ask like, what do we think happens? That's a good to this point. Guy? I think he's got a good enough case. Like the guy stole my gun and then made me just drive him away and then yeah. and then leave him there. I like the idea that the, the that the people he meets are not like super worse off. Yeah. But you have repeatedly brought up that they super definitely it, are. I think it was particularly in the psychic episode yes. because like the kid's psychic. Yeah. If there is a if he is really psychic, number one, the government is going to want to dissect him and figure out how he's psychic. And number two, that means he knows stuff about Tom. Sure. And, and, and he might know stuff about them. Sure. Sure. You know, and, and, Serenity. and a la Serenity. Exactly. And we had literally seen them gun down a bunch of people just for being in the same room as Tom earlier that episode. Yes. That I, one was a little <clears> other <throat> time. Yeah. I, I do similarly feel like I'm not worried about Brian Cranston's character at the end of this episode. Yeah. I don't know if that's founded, but... I feel better about it. it. It does not immediately make me think, well, he's screwed. Yeah. I feel like what I was assuming, because I didn't catch these, you did. Mm-hmm. I feel like what I thought they w- they wanted was the idea that everybody else gets soft scot free because they don't know anything about any photos. Yeah. that's. I don't know if that was the intention or not, but I feel like the tone of the show is not that he leaves a whole bunch of destruction in his wake. Mm-hmm. And that if it is a story about him leaving destruction in his wake, he should do a voiceover in the beginning about how he's leaving destruction in his wake. Yeah. Um, which would be fine. Mm-hmm. I think that's also interesting. I think yeah. that's probably more interesting than, you know, he only packs up his gardening supplies and goes to another <laughs> groundskeeping job. Uh, is not as compelling as him. Another groundskeeping <laughs> job. Sorry. It's okay. As him... Um, Having to face the fact that that everywhere he goes, and maybe they were trying to deal with that with the new Phoenix that he was so standoffish. Yeah, fine. Have him say that to a character so that we know that that's what's going on. Sure. Anyways, all right. So wrapping up. So wrapping up. Um, what would you say is the um, what is your what do you think is the cleverest and dumbest part of this episode and again it doesn't have to be tom's cleverest moment or tom's dumbest moment but just anybody's right i for me the most triumphant moment is when he gets the gun back or what when he gets the gun for the first time when he gets oh when okay he, when he's getting out of the jail cell that was an important turning moment for me yeah for ah oh, yeah you can't jail tom fail <laughs> he's gonna get you with a belt he you can't yeah. you can't you can't get him um <laughs> In terms of the most uh, – originally it was less uh, – <laughs> I, I thought it was more than the most – right, most 90s or over the top. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I don't, I don't know that I have anything particularly uh, for that in this okay, one. Okay, that's fine. Um, I would say probably my – I mean the – I feel like the most triumphant moment is when he – Turns out he was recording the conversation. That was a good one that, too. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was great. Also, um, and the earplugs. Ear, earplugs in general, both him and uh, and Kyle. Yeah. Um, and then for the silliest moment, just uh, when the, all the suited guys, they show up at the police station. <laughs> they take one look in the main room. Back in the car. We're driving somewhere. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's right. The silliest thing is that he put some salt into his analytics <laughs> game. That's the silliest I, thing in this episode. I got nothing. I, I have no clue what that. Yeah. 
other than just being some business for the for the actor. Uh, all right. So what's um, the, what's the do you, where do you think the show is going now? Uh, or so, where do you hope the show is going? Well, so after this episode, I, I would love to see more of the idea that Tom has more hobbies than just this photograph. What I mean by that is I like the idea that the reason that he is able to act with agency in this show is not just that all the shit has happened to him, that that his core character is someone who colored outside the line, that he was someone <laughs> right. who actually cares about, hey, knock your bullshit off. Yeah. I'm going to find it. Um, so I'd like to see more self-motivated moments of that. Okay. I don't know that I expect to see that mm-hmm. too often. Um, I think he's mostly going to be a reactionary to his circumstances and that the circumstances will vary vastly from episode to episode. And so who he is from episode to episode will be very mercurial. But um, uh, where I imagine the show is going is I feel like around now we're due for, I don't want to say a stupid episode. Because there's been stupid shit in so many of the episodes. But it's, I feel like there should be a pointless episode soon. Okay. I can say I feel like there's a pointless episode in about three episodes. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're just we're just rounding the bases for, you know, uh, it feels like it's going to run out of steam. Yeah. And that there's going to be one where they just had to go to air. I'm waiting for that one to show up. I, I very much yeah. am just anticipating that there are going to be some episodes that um, because if they're having this much trouble, okay. At the beginning, in theory, Mm -hmm. you would have a lot of strong episodes because you've had time to think about it. That's not always true. Some of the times you're going to have someone who spent a lot of time with a pilot Mm -hmm. and they get into a Mm -hmm. writer's room and go, you need these episodes when it took me two years to do the pilot. Yeah. Um, I've heard that described. You want it when? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's entirely possible that, you know, you're, you're actually going to have a major dip after the pilot mm-hmm. because people are getting up to speed or they're getting writers in who can work at that speed. Right. Um, if this show got markedly better, mm-hmm. I have no idea when that would happen and what form it would take. Okay. I'm hoping there will come a point where it gets markedly better, that they sort of get a rhythm down. I don't expect it. Okay. I feel like this show, more than other stuff, I don't, it feels rude to call it a crafts project, but that's the only way to like really describe the variety that I expect to see episode by episode. Sure. Is the best way I can describe variety. I expect to see a a variety and I expect a lot of that to not work, but still have been filmed. Yeah. That's, that's sort of what I expect at this point. And I, I do feel like the latter half of the show does do that just from my vague memory from, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, the next episode is called You Really Got a Hold on Me. Okay. It's a I've, song lyric, right? I think so. I've so I've I've seen this up, you know, I I think I saw it back when it was first when it first aired. I remember watching it with you a bunch of years ago and then I watched it maybe a week or two ago. I still don't remember what happens in this episode. <laughs> I hope I don't remember it being bad. It's just very forgettable and okay. i don't know i don't even know why yeah it has a, a a guest star on it i won't say who it is but like whereas brian cranston i think at the time was just in a whole bunch of bit parts he like did a bunch of episodes of power rangers and stuff okay uh he was just in a bunch of just small roles here and there at the time the actor who's in the next episode was in a lot of stuff before this so he was like pretty famous at the time okay i would say he was probably like on the the down slope of his career um but i just don't like, 
I can picture a couple scenes from the episode, but I don't remember anything about what actually happens in it. I hope that that doesn't color anything. I just, I mean, maybe you'll think it's really good. I don't know. I, I don't remember it being bad. I just don't remember anything about it. I'm very curious about this now because that is a strange phenomenon. Yeah. I'm, uh, there are so many things that could possibly be causing that. I'm very excited about it. It's sort of, if I were, and I'm not a, a good tech person. Yeah. Who, and you're like, ooh, that's that's a weird, your computer's got a bunch of weird errors. You know, like, oh, this will take a long time. To, this will be interesting to fix. Yeah. It's like that, except for I actually give a shit. When that <laughs> happens with technology, I go, can someone, someone have an old computer that they're not using anymore? Yeah. I don't want to diagnose. But this is interesting. I want to diagnose the hell out of okay. what makes an episode that you didn't dislike forgettable that's yeah. cool i don't know um the episode after that though is one of my favorite episodes cool so um, looking forward to that. i'm excited to get to there and then uh yeah the, uh, just what from what i remember the show it's, it changes a bit after a few episodes after that so okay i cool. uh, that's ominous okay cool i mean like it because uh I, I mentioned that like the show sort of gets a little bit of a through line yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, that starts it, it starts we're, we're in, in, a, get... in a little while like yeah. we're still a few episodes away i haven't even gotten there in my in my rewatch okay. but okay. um because like I, I mentioned that I'm watching the DVDs and uh, you've really got to hold on me is the last episode on this disc. Right. The next disc has three episodes. I've watched all three of those. And then I think after that is the midpoint of the season. Okay. So I think the second half of the season is where things start getting like has like through line for a while and stuff gets weird. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So I guess check with us next time. Um, peace out. contact us send us an email at nowheremenpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at nowheremenpod for updates for more content created by steve go to bit.ly slash nowherewizard and if you want to hear me talk about tabletop role-playing games check out my main podcast interparty conflict found wherever podcasts are sold be sure to like share and subscribe and thanks for listening